And now, Kyle and Steven present another episode of the Go F*** Yourself podcast. Um, it's Fix. Really? Well, that's embarrassing. The Go Fix Yourself podcast. Welcome to the Go Fix Yourself podcast. Today, we are very excited. Just very excited, man. You can just feel the vibe in the room. Oh. I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's thick. Today, we are excited uh, because we are joined by Mac Holton. Yes. Hey. Yeah. One day, we'll figure out all the, you know, we'll have our custom claps going and cheers yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, we'll have an more. audience, actually. <laughs> like, yeah. Be like, uh, Alaska Airlines Center, like, hey, do you guys want to, like, record a podcast in the arena? And we're wow. Like, I guess if that's really what you wanted to do, can it, um, can it hold eight people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, this giant just, echo. Uh, yeah, eight people say. spread out throughout yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. wonderful. Love yeah, that. excellent crickets. Uh, well, welcome to uh, the podcast, man. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, oh, we're we're very appreciative that you took your time to do this. Well, uh, we're also very excited to dive in. And learn about what you've been doing because it has been a while since we've seen you. That's that's true. I've been I've been gone a lot, and uh, you know, you find gentlemen between like a pandemic and the business of lives. I, I haven't uh, I just haven't seen you guys in a while, so it's cool to catch up. Yeah. And I do want to start the podcast by saying that I, I am I do feel grateful to be here. I feel um, validated to be here because I gave uh, Stephen an out to say actually I don't you want you on this podcast because mm. I accident <laughs> I feel I expressed that I feel like I accidentally bullied my way onto the podcast because uh. I'm not very like. I haven't been like um, people facing in a long time in the sense that like I was a music. We'll get into all the history, but yeah, like I, I used to be a musician and on stage a lot, and I've been more behind the scenes for a long time. Um, but I was chatting with another guest of the show, friend of all of us, uh, Nick uh, Carpenter, and we were at the Wolverines game, and we were just kind of like, go we were, Wolverines, we, right? Go Wolverines. Uh, we were like sharing kind of like a a, a mutual love for like. Um, well, I love that we can still live in Alaska and we can make a living in like the music touring industry, but yeah. we can still live here and we didn't have to like move necessarily. We were kind of, we were having Ooh. some like real like arm around the shoulder. Like it's, it's cool that I we're both that. doing what we're doing. And I was texting him after and we, you know, we had a few beers, like whatever. And I was expressing appreciation and I don't know where he's like, you should go and go fix yourself. <laughs> and I like, and it was like just enough beer deep that I like screenshot it very cheekily and sent yeah. it to Steven. No other words, just that screenshot. <laughs> and I just thumbs downed it. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, <laughs> No, nah, you were nice. Nah. I, it was one of those things where like, I, I wasn't like twisted or anything. Like, you know, I wasn't blacking out, but I like, I woke yeah. up and I was like, oh, is that too cheeky? Because I always overthink interactions. Oh, no. So like, I was like, okay, he still wants me. And I gave him an out. It was funny. And then also, uh, I didn't tell you this, but like Nick messaged a, about a week later mm -hmm. after we had scheduled you. And then he was like, you got to get Mac on GFY, <laughs> like all caps. <laughs> I was like, dude, we snagged him up a few days ago. Oh, yeah. You you, yeah. you sense the vibe. And, we added you know, him to the roster. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But no, that's the thing, too. I mean, like we we like, uh, you know, people that we have on, we're like, who should who should we have on? And like he said, you know, have Ed Washington on. Mm -hmm. And then we had Ed Washington on and blown away. I mean, like, you know, that was an amazing conversation. And it's something that's come up in both of their conversations that you just brought up. I don't even know if you did this on purpose, but the whole, like you can pursue your dream while you stay in Alaska. Yeah. While you stay away from 
you know, we're so far away from anything. You can't drive to a show in Seattle and then drive right back. So, I mean, like, that's kind of something I want to get into. Not right away, but right. put a note and a little pin yeah, in Yeah, and I'll say it now I'm thinking about it because I was going to – I'm don't. i not scripted at all, but, like, I was going to work my way towards a yeah, thought he, that I really like. Ladies and gentlemen who aren't watching a podcast, he has, like, uh, paid 10 pages in front of He's him. He's got a whole no- notebook in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, what I want to get to is that, like, I haven't, like, really truly made it in a lot of senses, but, like, at the same time, I've one thing I've learned that applies to a lot of things in the art world is there really is no one formula, and I think that's something we can all agree on, mm. is there's literally, like, no one way to, quote-unquote, like, make it or do what you want to do. Yeah. And I was going to work my way there because that's what I've observed is there literally isn't, like, a formula. And so the fact that people don't have to move because, you know, we, we hear, we grow up in Alaska, we hear stories about Portugal, the man, and Tour, 36, get out there, yeah. and you gotta move, and we've all done a version of that, all of us in this room. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think it's cool that we can now be at a place where us three are still sitting here, we're all pretty happy with where we're at, and yeah. we still yeah. live here, you know, in Alaska, which I've managed, I've always, I get on the fence about it, but I can I can never leave, truly. <laughs> really? Uh, not never, okay, I might live somewhere, but I'm always gonna end up back here, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. I was actually talking to someone today who lives in L.A. And I was like, that's kind of like one of my dreams is to live in L.A. Right? I want to be a filmmaker. And mm-hmm. like, where do you go to like pursue film? L.A., Hollywood. Right. And but they were like, you want you would want to move like leave Alaska. And I was like, well, no, like I want to stay here for like the nice parts of yeah, the year. Yeah. Everybody's, oh, everybody's yeah. dream is, is, is a snowbird. Yeah. Like, if you can do that, somehow get out of the winter and go somewhere for a few months, right? Somewhere nice. And then just be up here in the summer. Like that is literally the most ideal situation. It is. That I could think of, really. Because I don't don't know about you. I don't have any winter activities. My winter activity is sitting in front of my computer and just like (laughs) editing or writing scripts or whatever. And like I don't do much winter stuff. Uh, So that's kind (laughs) of tough for me, you know. I got a real controversial take. I you. saw you. I saw you mulling something over there. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, honest. What's going on with his brain right now? I want to do the reverse. I'm a winter boy. I want to come up in the winter. I am gonna be honest. I uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, it's a hot take that I only learned about myself recently because I hated the winter growing up. I'm I moved from Minnesota when I was a kid, which is colder than Alaska. So I feel like yeah. I always was kind of. Um, I didn't, didn't like the winter. I want to go somewhere hot. But now that I've been out and about and I've been traveling with my work, I got to say, I think I'm truly a winter boy. Like, I, yeah. I love um, Nordic skiing. I love, like, skating. I love being outside. I, like, I'm an anxious person, and I, the cold always snaps me out of it when I step out into it. Cold exposure. Oh, okay. um, and I'm going I'm yeah. to be honest. You know, I love Alaska. I'm not here to diss Alaska. But I'm really sick of this manic solstice energy that people have. When You know what I'm talking about? When people, you wake up, and you see them having brunch and mimosas, and then they're somehow in home or camping by the evening, and then they're uh, somehow still up at 5 in the morning. I can't I can't hang. I have circles under my eyes that whole, <laughs> whole time yeah. of the year. <laughs> you only have though. so many hours to, <laughs> yeah. like, get all of summer in, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah you better enjoy it. it makes total sense. I'm just saying I, I'm reading myself and I prefer I, love I prefer the cold, sleepy winter. And every time we're somewhere sunny, like when I'm in tour, I'm like, I'm sweating all day. I hate this. Yeah. And then we like pass through like the Midwest and I'm like, oh, this rules. I yeah. love this. I'm going to wear shorts to the show. And everybody, yeah. the- <laughs> there, there is something to say. Now, I'm not, you know, dissing on the winter. Uh, I When we first get snow. <clears throat> You're about like, to diss on winter, though. No, He's no, going no, 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 no. But just wait. Uh <laughs> No, like it the first sucks. few months of winter like aren't bad. And then like when the snow's falling and it's like fresh snow and you got a fire going in your house mm-hmm. and it's like like 
freaking you know bon, mm-hmm. bon Iver on on the radio Huga. and you're reading a book like there's nothing fucking better than that right <laughs> yeah. like that is so like the, oh i love chill moments like that um but i think the the longevity of winter yeah here. breakup season is where Break- it really yeah. gets like oh get it over so like with. here i am so i mean you know uh, spoiler alert for the people, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. We're recording this um, in March, um, early March, and we just got a little snowfall. And I'm kind of like, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm ready to go. Um, but also, like, summer's right around the corner. So I'm like, all right. So I have that little glimmer of hope, you know. As soon as solstice happens in December, um, winter solstice, like, I'm just like, okay, all right. We're, we're getting back on track. We're getting back on track. Fair enough. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think there's something about, like, enjoying, what do they say, like, enjoy the journey, not, like, the destination kind of thing. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, it's like pre-vacation and pre-summer and all those things like you're really like, oh, I'm planning all these things I'm going to be doing and it's going to be great. I got this vacation or summer coming. And it's like that, I think, gets you through it because for some reason that's really enjoyable. Almost like planning a vacation is more enjoyable than the actual vacation to me. Because when I get on vacation, then it's like, oh, I'm stressing about like where are we going to go to eat and where are we going to get the kids to go have fun and all this stuff. And it's like, I just enjoyed the planning part. (laughs) I get that. I totally get it. Well, we skipped the intro. We skipped the intro Mm. with you. Um, So we tell every um, guest that we have on here that my parents listen, my Mm -hmm. mom, my dad, they live in New York. They don't know my friends. But uh, they know me and Kyle. <laughs> they basically know me. Yeah. <laughs> they want to believe their son has more than one friend. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, Kyle can do a lot of voices yeah. on that podcast of yours. That's yeah. not how my mom sounds. I re- every episode, I swear you my mom make has. Her sound like terrible. One, I, I, sorry. <laughs> it's like one, sorry, mom. One time I was like, hey, boys. I was like, dad, that, why does she sound like a Simpson character? Um, anyway, so tell my parents who you are. Uh, and what you do right now. And then we'll get into like the, the nitty gritty. Uh, sure. Yeah. Hey, Stevens, folks. Uh, my name is Mac, and I uh, currently work in the music touring industry as a tour manager, a merchandise manager. And between doing that and helping with local events, I also like to make <laughs> coffee, and it gets me out of the house. So I do that when I'm home. Are you uh, like, like a barista, a broista, broista. Yeah. Um, ha- shout out Helen. She gave me a hard time because she was like, everybody who used to be in a metalcore band, uh, either becomes uh, a barber, a tattooer, a brewer, or a barista. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm on my way. Or a gym coach, or a Traeger uh, guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, Traeger guy. No, I, that's uh, where I'm going. I, yeah, Are I, you? Eventually. Okay. <laughs> I I do love making coffee. Um, you know, I I worked in a variety of worlds, which we will get there. We'll chronologically get there, but like. It, I'm really introverted when I'm home and not touring, and that gets me out of the house because I, I work at a very nice shop, um, that feeling co with all my coworkers, and I basically it I, when I'm out of that it it fills my social bubble to make coffee for people because I do I'm a coffee snob, and so it's like it's like mm. kind of like I call it like millennial retirement work because it doesn't yeah. feel like work, and I I get my bills paid by doing it, and it's like oh, this is easy. I just make coffee and talk to people. When, when I was working at the Rustico, I learned how to make coffee, mm-hmm. and uh, I find that. 
found that part really soothing as well when I would just make coffee. Like it's when I would work a, a yeah. morning shift or lunch shift, it was, yeah, it was really nice. And then you got to like kind of just like steam the milk and then slowly pour it into the coffee. And then there was nice chill music playing. And mm-hmm. so it was a very nice way to like kind of come into work rather than the dinner s- session where you like come in and you're like, fucking fire 48, fire 42, <laughs> go, yeah. go. It's like, oh, stress, stress, stress. Um, so yeah, there is something meditative about making coffee. Do you, are you like doing the leaves yet? Are you doing like the fancy designs and the oh, coffee? Oh, you know, yet? I'm not quite Latte there. Art um, is what he's referring I, to. I have an ongoing. Fancy leaves, Kyle. <laughs> fancy leaves. So I was like, we make a tea here? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that too. Uh, no, I'm, I, I'm hit or miss with the latte art, but I have an ongoing bit with some of my coworkers. Shout out Ori and Sarah. I, I have cosmic horror art like I just pour it and I'm like what does this look like and like one time it was like a guy drowning in a pool and another cool. time it was like it was like a chest burster from the alien movies Hell yeah, and dude. it was like it, so is I, it, I make cosmic horror accidental I, love that. I was gonna art. say is it like an ink blot test like yeah, what do it you is. see Rorschach well, it's yeah, Rorschach, Rorschach all the way yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that yeah. That's, that's uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, it's fun. So let's tell the people, let's tell my parents uh, and everybody else listening mm-hmm. um, how we know each other, how the three of us go back. Um, and so most people know, like, Kyle and I were in bands separately. Kyle joined, you know, uh, my band on tour I once. was a groupie. He actually did the tour manager job before. Hey, shout out. Before yeah. it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we paid him jack no, shit. We didn't pay him it's, nothing. It's I got paid in cool. friendship. So yeah. like yeah. I like to tell people Forever I'm not friends. I'm not cool, I'm cool adjacent. I'm yeah. you know, just two or yeah. I'm right next to it. Yeah. I, but I always it's funny, whenever I talk to like bands that I looked up to, uh, whenever I talk to their tour manager or anybody in their group, I was always nervous as a kid. Because I was just like, oh, my gosh, you know them? You know, stuff like that. Totally. And so it was just like I was nervous. So, I mean, you are cool, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. I'm I'm throwing my hand exaggerated at the camera right now for yeah. those not seeing the visual component. I'm going, yeah. nah, 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 nah. Uh, and so basically, so way long ago, because I joined Thera in like 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then me and Kyle, our band started playing in 2010. And I think it was like soon after that or it was like in that area where we were playing with your band, which True. was not, well, it was, what band? I mean, it was, was it Ready Aim Timber then? That was the original band. Yeah. Rat. Okay. Rat, Rat. Rat for short. And the name came from a King of the Hill line. Cause, um, I, I guess we might as well start on that. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. I, I grew up, um, I grew up in, uh, the Trapper Creek, Telkeetna area. I was from Minnesota originally, but grew up in Trapper Creek. Uh, would like many Alaskans can relate. You go to Alaska, you go to a Kurt Bundy, AK soul show, you see 36 crazy fists in 2004. Yeah. And you're just like, I want to do this. And oh, 100%. specifically with two of my guys in, in a small town, like 200 kids at my high school. And there was 30 in my elementary school, you know, in Trapper Creek, close enough to Anchorage that we could go to these shows on the weekends. So we really idolized it. You know, we would drive the two hours we'd go to the, the, the downstairs or the Egan center or whatever. And we get Taco Bell and be home by 3am, you know, like that kind Hell of, yeah, dude, that's and, a good night. And so like me and my, my boys, Yen, and Brandon, childhood friends, shout out both of them. I don't know if either will listen, but we saw if Jens doesn't listen to this. I'll uh, be he, pissed. He's gonna, he's gonna. I'm, I hope so. I hope so. Um, little baby daddy. I know. Uh, he's got, a, doesn't have a lot of time in his hands, but maybe yeah. he will. But uh, we, we specifically, uh, we all like basically, we went to Summer Meltdown and we saw Poison the Well and we were like, we just need oh, to start man. a band. And we kind of, we taught ourselves how to like play music. So like we were never technically good, couldn't read notes, but yeah. that's when we linked up is within a year of playing, like we played like make a scene 
Uh, we named our band Redium Timber yeah, after. Make a scene. Oh, my God. You just took me back. That, that's how we got to the name. Is so, like, we grew up in Talkeetna, Trapper Creek, which, if anybody knows Talkeetna, it's very, like, environmental forward. Mm-hmm. And we were dumb, rebellious high schoolers who liked alternative, heavy music. So, like, the whole imagery was, like, you know, like, we were, like, quote, unquote, I feel so silly saying this now, but we were, oh, like, please. quote, unquote, like, anti-hippie in high school. So, like, we watched a King of the Hill episode, and there was a line about shooting trees, or Hank Hill says, Redium Timber. And we were like, that that's the name. <laughs> there it is. Uh so like that's you know, cool. that that band wasn't good, but it was fun. And that's how I met you guys, is because yeah. uh, as it happens in the MySpace era, we I think it was I think it was Callahan invited us to play in Anchorage oh, at the downstairs. Man. Um and we played it was a Sarah P show also, but yeah, like Helen yeah. was managing, and that's when I met Helen too. But oh, wow. that was 2010. Yeah. And that's so we started playing shows in the valley. I graduated high school and I um, wasn't sure what I wanted to do yet other than I knew that I had a knack for kind of like business and managing and maybe foreshadowing like I kind of managed my own band and would always get them together and I would be the, the front facing person and I always yeah. kind of was regimented in that way and it just kind of I just kind of like threw something at the wall and I was like I should just study business I should study like business management and you know like I knew I always wanted to do music it was what inspired me um, used to be like a sports kid and then somewhere in middle school, I had that angsty age. And I was like, uh, part of it was I played basketball and hockey. And then everyone got like way taller than me. And I just wasn't <laughs> into it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I pivoted to music and really identified with it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, I, I don't know that I can make a living doing this. But like I should study something. And a business just felt right. So we all moved to Anchorage, the whole band. And those guys, Brandon and Yance, lived on the floor of my dorm illegally for the first month. They lived in Anchorage, and we illegally. Just kept, what do you mean by illegally? I mean it's just you're not, like you're not supposed to have overnight guests at the UAA dorms. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't go to uh, UAA. So, anyways, all this to say is that yeah. So my Valley band wound up in Anchorage, and we uh, would play shows with the coveted Witness the End and Thera, and that was yeah. that was a that was a time. I was Man, like, boy, howdy, that was a time. That was a time, the downstairs. Mm. You're just taking me back. Even playing, like, saying, make a scene. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever played that, was but that, a bunch of shows. So you're headed out to Wasilla, right? And Correct. it was, like, out in a, just a random road, essentially. Pretty and much. it was a warehouse of sorts. Yes. And what, what was his name? Jer- was it? Freifogel, I think. Freifogel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, he's, still, he's still doing shit. Yeah, I, I haven't see, heard from him like a decade. I don't but know. But he's still, he, I like, see he's still him out on. in the valley. I still see like, yeah. like him that's shares where, our, he shares our stuff. Well, that's where we played our first show. Witness the End? Yeah. Well, no way, was really? Vegasine, because I remember we pulled up out there and I'm like, what the hell is this place? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay. And it was like a decent crowd in there and everything. And it was just the most surreal moment because I was like, oh, people were like responding to this music. So yeah. like, that feels really good the first time you play in front of a crowd like your own songs mm-hmm. and i just remember that was like such a weird place because we played there like two or three more times after but i was like this is the most random like show yeah it was, it like was kind of nice because like, like a strip mall no this was oh, i think it they moved had, they had multiple locations yeah, this uh, was the one we played the the warehouse what you're talking about yeah. but they had like a rose the rose square or whatever that is they, they had a spot there I'm from the, the valley, Square. but I'm not yeah. Wasilla Valley, so I'm not intricate on all those yeah. details. It was just I remember your Spinard Builder Supplies kind of on the left, yeah. and you take a right like up the hill. Oh, up oh there. that was yeah. way up there. Yeah, and it's 
it's something that I think can be related to a lot of Alaskans. It certainly happened to me is I used to commute like 16 miles each way to school and drive two hours yeah. to go to shows yeah. and play shows. And then as soon as you move to Anchorage, you're like, what? I'm not going to Southside. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm yeah. not going over there. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's part of it is like in the valley, you're like, yeah, you're the show, it's like eight miles down this really random road. And everybody's like, yeah, sign me up. And yeah. Then yeah. Like in Anchorage, we could be like, as loud as we want. Bro, like, I remember, I mean, so make a scene. The only show I went to, they were in the Rose Square in mm -hmm. Wasilla in that like little strip mall. And uh, we drove from Chickaloon. To go see Lost Concept. This was right before I joined them. So it was kind of like a pre like hangout kind of you thing. You want to join the band, you gotta come watch us. <laughs> yeah, <it was> <laughs> nice. like Chad, um Chad, uh I can't remember his last name. Chet Smith, I guess. Is Chet sure. Smith? Is I that the know. the radio guy, old old Bob and Chad? Oh yeah. yeah I think you're right. He was like ba playing bass for them that night. And anyways, uh long story short, that was the first night so we left there and we got super drunk and that was my first time getting drunk so sorry thanks. carol whoa yeah i think she might i think i've told her you told that. her this okay yeah 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 uh anyway, he was so 27 make a scene really just got us rowdy and ready to go yeah uh okay so you're drumming we yeah. didn't say that so you're a drummer in mm -hmm. the band where did you find the rhythm let's talk about like because that is the one thing i i have rhythm right i have it Ricky uh, disagrees. He, he did disagree, but to uh, you know my my advantage, I learned how to have rhythm. Um, and but I, whenever it comes to drums, I can do like the hands, right? I can do it okay. But then it's adding the feet. I'm like, fuck, this sure. is stupid. Yeah, like, I can't do it. Uh, so like, where did that come from? Did, did, you know, and you said you were just kind of like, I wanted to be in a band. And yeah, yeah. Um, YouTube. You guys are you guys are taking me back in a fun way. I just haven't I haven't thought about myself in a musician for a while, so that's kind of nice. Just because I this is what we other do, stuff. baby. Even like, you're, you're getting me do. back where it all started, really. But, yeah, we're um, just fixing drum, fixing everybody. It was a classic, like between Brandon and Jens and I were like we just kind of like assigned ourselves, like okay, well you should do this and you should do this, and you know, who's you guys like draw straws? I was gonna say, can somebody pat hat? their head and rub their tummy? Which one can do it? drummer? It was <laughs> yeah. it was something like that. Yeah, but. <laughs> So my parents, neither of them are truly musicians, but I grew up in a musical household. Like, they're just appreciators. And this, which makes the next part that I'm going to say really crazy to hear almost. But I was magnified towards drums. My mom was like, oh, yeah, you always love just, like, hitting stuff on the table, like, to the rhythm. Like, you know, my dad, he, like, loved The Clash. And my mom, like, like the, she saw the B-52s when she was pregnant with me and, like, tried to stage dive. And, like, they're, like, musical. Oh, while, yeah. like, while she was pregnant with you. Yeah, you yeah, tried she to might stage disagree. Dive. But, yeah, yeah that's... Yeah. As things go... You were that's there. That's the story, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, but, you know, I grew up in a musical household, so my parents, like, they love a lot of good music. And I just would always, like, kind of clap my hands and stuff. And, like, yeah. kind of... It just... It it felt sort of natural to me and which makes the next part really crazy to hear because my parents are really loving and supporting I had great home great everything very supportive but for some reason they didn't want me to have a drum set in the house I so can, like, I can understand so yeah it was a two-part I yeah I now that totally, we're older we can be like oh, oh that sounds like the worst thing ever I, I <laughs> watched I watched this oh I watched the office you know how like uh freaking <laughs> oh yeah his one suck kid, it. I know yeah, suck suck it. It. <laughs> but like I'm like would I allow my kid I, I would have to I would have to have allow my kid because I was like well I wanted we, to we have it. the luxury of electronic drum kits now where you can just have headphones no, yeah I, they, they hit different they, they do, do hit it different doesn't feel right. i don't it care if they're right. seven they're gonna just hit different like i don't care <laughs> i'm just gonna like, like soundproof the hell out of my basement yeah. just like just like that kid can wait cage. yeah uh <laughs> anyway so okay your parents didn't want you to get a drum set well they didn't want me to but they wanted me to prove it and uh they um i had to do a couple of steps to even have a drum set when i was so i got a drum set when i was 12 didn't really start oh. the band until I, I was already kind of like talking about starting band. We didn't really do it until we saw Poison the Wall when I was 14, 15, whatever. But it was a couple parts of the process where one, I, they, I had to give up candy for a year. 
I was oh, nice. almost 12 years old. Because your, your parents asked you to do this? I they wanted me to believe I love in it. it. I love it. And they, I had to give up soda for a year. And I wasn't allowed to play it in the house. I had to keep it at a family residence's house nearby. So in the winter, I would have to start, I had to start a wood stove fire to get warm enough to play the drums that I wasn't allowed to play in the house. And, wow. and I taught myself playing drums through like sight and just honestly just trying to impress my bandmates who also were learning the whole time. Like we love that. We'd learn like one, like Brandon would learn like one Metallica riff and we would just play it for five hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was like, that was kind of, that's how I got it. At times though. I freaking learned, I remember Weezer, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And then like my buddy and the drums just, and that's what we played too. So that was our thing. Or Nirvana. Just hours just staring at each other. Just, (laughs) you got, you want to just keep going? You get it. Maybe 37. Thirty-seven more times. More Come on, time. yeah, you get yeah. it. You get it. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. fun. Uh, I love that uh, that visual too of like, you know, the idea of first off, you had to like work really, really, really hard by letting go of sugar. Uh, in my head, that's a hard thing to do. But also like the idea of like you were kind of like passionate, you're motivated enough to like go outside, start up your car or like, you know, snow machine or just walk or whatever, and then go start the wood stove and then get going. And like that, mm-hmm. was, that's kind of a, like a little process. And I would imagine like, you know, some people would be like, eh, I just don't feel like doing it today. Yeah. And there's you plenty know? of other things in my life. I won't even bother to like try to get out of the, the, the living room to try to pick up. So I guess that was the, that was the proof, proof in the pudding that right. I was going to care about this thing. I yeah. love that. So like was... Did they lay out these rules like you kind of said, I want to be a drummer or I want to drum. And so then they're like, okay, to do that, you have to do this. And so something like that. Did yeah. they did they do that about other things or was this just the one thing? Specifically that. And it, that's what makes it strange is my parents are so supportive and they were such musical people that it was, it, I think it was just like, you got to want it because like, you know. Because this I, is annoying yeah. as. It's an annoying <laughs> it's thing. It's annoyingly to, loud. To tolerate. Yeah. yeah. But like, I'm sure. I, Suck it. I can't. <laughs> I can't think of specifics, but I'm sure I was like a lot of kids and there was things I picked up and dropped and I was playing sports kind of still at that time. So they were like, well, you're still, you're still involved in these different things. And obviously thank, thank God the drum set was there because like, you know, I quit sports. I was, I was not in a good place in those middle school uh, years for sure. Yeah. And that kind of, that brought me back and it was easy to get really attached to this thing. Cause like, I'm sure I, YouTube specifically and other people listening can relate. Like, you know, people like us who like music, like you, there's something about it that like just moves something so deep in you. You just kind of keep chasing it, you know, and you can't quite articulate it. But like, you know, seeing music as a kid and all that, like it was like, oh, I just want to be a part of that Dude, feeling. That's the thing. I think um, we've had plenty of conversations on on this with um, musicians now. And I think it was Ed Washington. This is the second time I've referenced him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was such a good podcast, such a good conversation. But I think it was like we both we all agreed like the act of performing was like a drug. Yeah. And, and it, that was like, and then seeing that and then visualizing yourself, I mean, cause like visualizing yourself on stage in front of a you know, hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people, whatever. And then like rocking out and just jamming on the guitar or the drums or bass or whatever you, guitar, I don't give a fuck. But like, mm-hmm. that was like, yeah. that was, yeah, that was like my thing. I remember like, you know, as a kid, that's what I wanted. And then when I got it, I was like, I want more of this. I just oh, want yeah. more of this. And so, Making music is fun. Mm-hmm. I love making music and recording. But I think there is something to say about performing it and then just feeling that energy when the crowd is in it with you. Oh, for sure. Like a yeah. drug. Yeah. And I, I think that sometimes when you when you get in that world younger and you don't have a fully formed brain yet because, you know, oh, you're yeah. in your yeah. teens, early 20s. Whew. And 
you know, um, I think you guys have said it, but like none of our bands ever really quote unquote like made it proper. But sure. we we, play, we all played big rooms and yeah. big shows and things that were important to us. Open up for big bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things that are very special to come up in Alaska to do because you can have that direct connection with a band you idolize. You know, oh, and yeah. Things like that. Like where you get to at least local open forum and like be like I did this and like you can think back on it and I do. Yeah. But like I think there's also something really important to like forming kind of your adult identity going through that because you like have this drug and and obviously some people come out the other end not feeling good and I'm not going to sit here and go through the whole diatribe of psychiatry of people who make it and fall out and have addictions and substance abuse but like to have that kind of like ego uh, infusion and that boost and that high all in once while putting your art in a public space to be judged and critiqued and like by others and to open your brain outside of your own sphere of like influence to like get better and progress and respect mm -hmm. other art forms. Like I for sure was like elitist about my music taste in high school. Cause I so strongly identified my personality with like, I'm in this sure. band and you know, like, um, you, you know, this genre sucks because metal is better and like just different stuff like that, that like, if you can come out the other end, like a somewhat like mature and at peace person and have expand, if there's like a beautiful process along the way where like, getting into promoting and working for venues and different things like that, that like opened my palette as I was growing as a person, like just, you know, not having an ego and different mm. things like that, or at least learning to drop the ego. We all have an ego to a degree. I mean, I'm speaking on a pod podcast that takes some degree of like self-confidence or Fuck whatever. Dude. That's yeah. never we, crossed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. We have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to like grow through all of that and come out the other end, a modestly adjusted person who can appreciate yeah. a lot of things. There's something beautiful to that. And you kind of like got through all these highs and got out the other end and you're just like, look at this big world. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. when I first started promoting and like getting to witness these genres outside of my own, like I remember like 2000 and um, you know, we'll work our way through the next steps chronologically. But like, I remember it was, oh God, it was 2012 when Helen did her first Dylan Francis show. And I was like, what is, why would people pay to see a DJ and, you yeah. know, and like stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, I get it. As soon as you're there, you yeah. know, like yeah. you got, what's that turnstile? What is that turnstile line? You, you got to see it live to get it yeah that's it yeah you gotta see it live to get it yep i love that because that's i mean i do remember like my first band that i saw live i mean it's like i think once it hits you once you get that bug like you just it's hard to you know shake it and you want to get the bite again you know what i mean yeah and so basically i it's just like i still and i haven't been playing music i still want to get back up on stage and i still want to play and i still oh, like yeah. will write music and i'll be like oh man what if i could just mm, get up there get up there and just oh, yeah. fucking go man <laughs> dude <laughs> let's start a band yeah <laughs> we should start. you know oh. how many times you know, uh i mean like i i have had to say no to so many people because i'm like okay big flex <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> sorry, so, sorry, so sorry. many people no. have been asking me <laughs> uh yeah no one's asking you that sucks dude. i i've started one man bands that's all i <laughs> yeah, do yeah. now no I, I, I just i just uh i'm like ah oh, i i love the uh, what it takes to do it you know and like what i did it you know but the starting at that again is like oh yeah starting starting ground zero again is like not there's appealing. sweat equity yeah so that's what i'm there. saying i'm like i love the idea of like where i'm where i worked up to but like doing that all over again and trying to work back in something new, I'm just like, I don't know if I have it in me right now. You don't want to go cut your yeah. teeth again, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're playing in Ready Aim Timber. Met you guys doing met, that. Yeah. Met us. Separately. Remind uh, me of the shirt you guys had. That There was one shirt you guys had specifically that I really liked. Did it have a chainsaw on it and a 
Fever, maybe? Like, you guys had something that was, like, our big crazy. Hit, our big hit merch during this era, and I'm going to repeat this again. Radium Timber was not a good band, but it was a lot of fun, and we learned through that whole thing. We did a name change to Griffith where we took ourselves a lot more, quote-unquote, seriously, and, yeah. like, did the thing a little bit more seriously. Got yeah. more real traction because it was better music, but, like... Yeah, the shirt. Maybe you're it said of, like it's, it said, "I am the lumberjack" because oh, we had yes, a song. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that had that. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and, like a, and like yeah. again, I can be like, we weren't musically good, but like there was always a hundred kids losing their mind to that part that wasn't particularly good, but like it, it connected for people. Yeah, and, as long as you can build a community around something, it doesn't have to be great. No, it just has to be everybody on the same page. That's what makes hardcore so beautiful. Is that's what drives it. Is that. I'd be curious. Are you guys on Spotify? Oh no, no. We we have a Griffith has a band camp. Um, oh, band camp. I, I hope Jens is listening. I'm gonna flame him real quick. It was his job to get us on Spotify. Oh, and it didn't. Take. It's easy, dude. Hey, yeah. I, I shouldn't. I'm gonna flame Jens one more time, and I want to say that I love Jens dearly. I, but I, I, I shouldn't I ask a guy so. who he still uses a Zune in 2023 to get us on Spotify. I should say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like all of that stuff is so easy to do. And but a granted witness, the end's not on there anymore either. Like we were on iTunes and all that stuff, and that was, I was kind of in charge of that. But then at one point, I was like, "What are we doing here? Paying for nothing?" Yeah. Hey, let's get ready to get sweaty. Yeah. Oh, I am the lumberjack. Exactly. So there was good. like that phase. Was it Joe Hamming? Mm, um, don't know the name. Uh, he played with Chad and like. Uh, oh Wolves, yeah. Uh, uh, um, I know him secondhand, but I've never met him. Gotcha. Yeah. But so I, he did a lot friends. of merch designs and like. Uh, logos and stuff and I forget who we went through for that I can't even remember but yeah when we came up with that shirt I was like get ready to get sweaty I was yeah. like I like that that's catchy <laughs> so, it works I mean that was probably our best selling shirt I'm sure it was yeah, your oh, best selling shirt for sure and then we made uh, the panties I don't mm. know if you remember that they said we made panties yeah we made women's panties that said witness the end on the back and hey I love the, merch and yeah, I love, and I I love do, this stuff I love the idea of like putting something on clothing and like seeing how it went like people like Ooh, tell me about it yeah it's just like seeing like what worked what didn't like what designs and all that stuff and that's like a whole other avenue that like bands obviously hire somebody to handle yeah. for the most part but like i kind of got that oh, experience because you know you're i was one of the older ones in the band me and ryan and so we had money little money but we had money to like buy merch buy all the stuff we needed mm -hmm. and it was like okay well what what's gonna sell what's not gonna sell and so we're like really throwing like stuff into the dark with the un like selling underwear at a show we yeah. sold those at the egan center and like it sold went, out yeah i bet <laughs> really yeah and uh, then we started getting pictures why couldn't you use the we, same we, marketing with alaska dude <laughs> well, i know i know we failed i yeah. remember that i took that merch order i think did you yeah i guess i worked in screen printing for like five years yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. i think i remember that i'm like they're doing it they're really we, doing this <laughs> they're really putting <laughs> they're, alaska yeah. on some yeah. panties yeah uh, we tried our, our, you know leggings, we don't leggings, have, leggings. Yeah. we didn't go that we didn't go far. Panties. oh you're right sorry yeah leggings. we're classier than that <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. mac yeah hey don't show too much skin yeah yeah guys uh okay too much so you're, you know, you guys are making it happen. You have a name change. You go to Griffith. You take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Uh, and so you guys, I'm, and I, I, that's really the time I remember seeing you guys like 
do shows and get bigger and I mean because I remember seeing Ready Aim Timber right but like scrappy all I, w- I was cared like I cared about just getting drunk back yeah. in that day right and then like when we started getting serious about music you guys started getting serious about music yeah and then so we started playing bigger shows we played Egan Center we did together like a few times yeah shared a green room a couple times yeah and that's uh, Zombie Fist you guys were Star Wars we were Star Trek I know that and it wasn't I was, planned I was gonna say that I do remember like Nerds. talking to <laughs> was it Brandon was it Brandon probably probably yeah I remember talking to him about it and 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 just being like man these these guys like fuck i love these guys and just being excited about what you guys were doing sure uh in griffith and i love i still love all you guys even though i never see any of you <laughs> even though that. i um, forgot just yeah. my the last the last time i hung out with any of you guys it was good hey right? we, we at least were just, fun if anything you know yeah, yeah. That's um, important yeah. to be likable yeah, to some so. extent. I mean, to I think extent. about that with bands. To some people. Touring a lot and like big key. Hey, if anyone here is listening to this and they have a, a modest inclination to try to get into the music touring world, just be cool. Just yeah. be normal. Be nice. I mean, I think about that when you have four, ba- let's just say three to four bands on on some sort of tour and like you're together every night playing, mm-hmm. you know, 20, yeah. let's say 21 shows. I'm like... That's a lot of hanging out, like in the daytime oh, yeah. and afternoon, and then after parties. And I'm like, if you're not cool, like I'm sure that's the most awkward three weeks of your life. Of like, this guy sucks. Like yeah. I don't want to like hang yeah. with him or there are horror stories or that bands I've heard. that yeah. just suck. Like, mm-hmm. and so I've always thought about that as like, you gotta at least be likable because I mean, you always hear about like, I love touring with these guys or I love yeah. touring like they're my brothers or what sisters, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's like that probably plays so much into like the the tour season. Like definitely who are we bring it on. Oh, I'd love to bring those yeah. guys. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it is a uh, music touring is a business um, first and foremost on top of art and other things, which is a whole complicated thing. But. Yeah, bands who um, bands are still in it and they can't really disconnect themselves from their crew because there are plenty of um, there are plenty of artists who are big enough to have a separate tour bus for, right, for right. their crew and these different things. Yeah, very important uh, when you're at a certain level to really like who you're around and have really good boundaries and be comfortable with that person as well as trusting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. So, you know, to take it back a little bit. Yeah, we here. jumped around a little. Yeah. yeah, we did. We jumped. We jumped forward, and I want to move backwards a little bit because of the promotion and mm, getting you like yeah. you know talking about with you know Helen. Yeah. Who I've been trying to get on the podcast. Uh, yeah, Helen, get on this podcast. Thank you. Um, but also, you know, how did that happen? Yeah. Because like you know she could have gone to other people and but yeah. how how did you connect with her? Did she connect with you? But also like what was your inspiration to get started and like, hey, I actually want to be in charge of these things. Yeah. Um, well, I, um, I've i said it before, like I, I've always liked music and I, I pursued businesses like a thing that I went to college for. And I kind of, I've always kind of gravitated towards that sphere. Um, but I never, I've never been a guy who like, tell me what you want to do in five years. Tell me what you want to do mm. in 10. Like mm. I don't plan long term. I just kind of go by what feels right and make sure I am set up and I'm supporting myself and working when I need to and different things like that. Yeah. And, um, when meeting Helen and getting to promotion was really funny because I, I think this was her story because I didn't really quite know. She just hit me up and was like, do you want to get a bite at Qdoba? And I drove to Anchorage from Trapper Creek to get Qdoba with Helen and then drove home because I was gearing up to move to uh, Anchorage to go to school. And, and obviously our band was doing well enough. So it's good we network. Yeah. yeah. Uh, natural networking, I guess. Um, uh, and I'm going to drive three hours. For a burrito. For a burrito. And... She, what her story was is that when my band played, it might have, it might have been that Callahan show. I don't remember specifically what, but, 
uh, high school prom was like not like a like a week after, and I had gotten fitted for a tux, and I had a blue tux when I walked in for sound check, and I had a mohawk <laughs> shaved into my head because I and and I cut my finger really badly, and she was like had to bandage me, and she was saying, and I kept just being like, doesn't matter, it's a scratch. I had fun, and I was just like. She just told me she liked my positivity yeah. and she liked this character that I guess I was at that time. <laughs> and so I, for whatever reason, she was like seeking an intern, quote unquote, and then she just settled on me uh, for whatever reason she like, chose me. That guy in the blue, the blue suit. I guess. The he's, mohawk, got, he's got something. He's got, something. He's got grit. He's yeah. got yeah. guts. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. Um, that's fun. So yeah, I, I got into that world and basically it was an unofficial, not college credited internship where I was working for Helen when she was still doing Club Millennium in the downstairs. Mm-hmm. When she was uh, like one of the first shows that she did, I think it was Dance Gavin Dance when I came on board. And like she was in that kind of world. She was in that world of like bringing like really solid artists to town. Um, You know, between I think I always call Kurt Bundy, who you know too, like my grandpa promoter, because he like interned Helen and Helen interned me. Yep. And I learned pretty much like the next few years going to school and working and being in bands. I was throwing shows uh, with Helen and then working other shows as kind of just like be here and do this thing. Like, I'm going to keep shouting out Jens. Jens can relate. We would work phone parties until like five in the morning. And this mm. is not our world. We're like mm. metal kids and we're like yeah. scrubbing foam off of the floor and like doing all these crazy things just for the love of the game. I you always know? wondered who cleaned up yeah. after us. Oh, that's me, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That was me. Probably not just foam. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's probably a lot of stuff there. But. Um, I know that she, yeah, she just, she trusted me to do a lot of these things behind the scenes, these random little tasks and, you know, staying up crazy late and still going to school. And it, it progressed to the point where I was starting to throw my own local shows or she was kind of giving me the reins. Like you're more in tune with certain parts of this world than I am. Cause I'm, she's a few years older than me. And yeah. like, you know, it, it changes so fast, like in terms of like, this is what's popular here now and it's usually the younger kids and you, you fall out of that age quick as we all know in their 30s and post 30s you know like oh I don't know what's cool anymore you know and and it just worked so that I got to throw my own shows and that kind of just built into my organizational world where I was kind of like combo uh, you know again Helen taught me everything like as entering under it's like a combo of like taste making and seeing what doesn't work and does work and coordinating with five bands somehow to show up on time and <sighs> these were not paying shows because it was like an all ages yeah. scene where that was the culture then which you know ethically you should pay artists especially when it makes sense um, but this was like a love of the game as you guys all know because you all said yes to these shows and we were all like DIY in spirit where we were making money on merch and care if the venue was in because we knew the venue was breaking even for the most part so it was like yeah. it was for the love of the game and like developing yeah. yourself and like being a part of this culture and I got to I know I kind of missed the heyday by just a slim margin. I hear stories about the bands that came before me where it was like 500 people at every show and my era was more like a couple hundred people at every show which is still sick. It's nothing to bad eye yeah, at um, so I got to be a part of that in the last year or so when it was the downstairs and it pivoted to the Fiesta room, um, where Helen and I like took it to a smaller room and would do different genres and just try to put together these different all age band bills where, you know, phew, God, we were not making money at all. It was really for the love of the game. And like, um, and yeah, so I cut my teeth doing a lot of promoter stuff throughout school, doing this with Helen, who was really just it's crazy the amount of blood and sweat equity she put into those places, into the local musicians, and she still does. But, you yeah. know, I learned a lot of, of passion from that. And then it kind of bled into, I know I'm like speeding through because some of the details, I just, you know, it's like there's just there's so much to talk about. And okay. I don't want to dwell any too long in any one spot. But um, as, as, um, as my band Griffith, like this whole time, like we did our um, – did our thing we had our like heyday quote unquote where we like played bigger shows and we got to play a couple shows out of state 
Um, got to play like a couple warp tour dates and things like that. Yeah, you beat us in the Battle of Bands. I wasn't gonna rub it in, Steven. Yeah, you should. You should because it's fucking cool. It's fucking Jeez. cool that you did it. Hey, you, we never toured the UK, man. We just did the Pacific yeah. Northwest. You well, know? we went broke for that tour because hey, it was all so out of pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we, yeah. Um, I think I think one of our bandmates is still paying off that tour. Oh man. God, that's um, how expensive it was. It's you know my band. We did a lot of cool stuff during this time. It was a heyday for us. A heyday for me as a musician. And, you know, the, the biggest thing I can flex is like, yeah, uh, the Rise Records guys almost watched our set at mm. Warp Tour, but they said we <laughs> yeah. played too early. <laughs> they walked right by at the wrong oh, time. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, the, that's a good flex. Right yeah. There. I, yeah. Yeah. Nothing. But um, anyway, so my band kind of like, you know, we, we slowed down and like the rest of that band's tenor was more like we'd play a couple shows here and there, have a lot of fun. But we, you know, we didn't put out any more records after that. We didn't really do any like you know, big ambitious things. It mm. just, just adulthood in life and the normal monetization isn't there. And people have to change priorities, not because of a lack of love, but because like you have kids, you have to move on. This job is taking a lot out of you. And normal things that like we all take for granted once we're not 20 anymore, right? Yeah. Like you're not 19, you don't have all the time in the world. And like the ear of so many of your friends who maybe don't even like your band, like the amount of my Talkeeda and Trapper Creek friends who'd watch my band who hated their genre we were in. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> and that'll never happen again. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> things like that. Um, but so as that winded down, I was, I got more involved. Um, Helen always kind of likes to, um, I hope she's listening cause I hope she laughs when I say this, but she always, she always tries to pull me into wherever orbit she's in. She's always trying to get me to work adjacent to her somewhere. And she convinced, uh, Ray Flores who, um, uh, you know, co-owns the showdown with Helen now and owns shirts up. And I worked at Trista for five years. She was like, yeah, you should hire Mac to like clean screens at the shop. And yeah. I was like his third employee or whatever. And I worked in merch for five years after, but you know, Helen eventually came to work at Shirts Up and it became like this big family thing where they're, you know, Rain Helen, they like birthed Showdown as we know it today, which is still, it's the biggest it's ever been. Yeah. You know, Sundown, um, this is obviously going to come out after, but like today, Sundown got announced and it still it blows my mind what Ray and Helen put together. Yeah. Like, it's insane to see how far they've come with talent buying their connections, like the whole gamut. And I was around for those early days when they were putting it together because I'm always like, I'm always gunning for Helen's vision and I'm always gunning, you know, Ray became a part of that too because he got brought into the mix to like, to put shop equity towards these shows that never made money and just try to get your foot in the door because Showdown started as like, mostly just national acts and not just the local things where we cut our teeth and that's no shade to local, but like, you know, you, you can help cultivate a culture by also bringing outside influence and letting mm -hmm. people cook internally to like play these shows and these different things. And, um, and yeah, so I got brought in the mix early there in the sense that I was always around at the shop when they were staying up till forever. And, you know, they, Helen knew I had that ambition, the ability to throw shows and uh, going to, uh, I went to school for business management and economics, which I have a big brain for economics, which who knows if we'll delve in this topic. And I doubt the listeners want to hear me talk about economics. Everybody loves Dude, economics. I was going to say, man, like, just talk about it if you want to talk about it. All I'm going to say, I'm going to shout out Kyle, uh, Kyle real quick. I was like posted on Facebook. Hey, I need to take a business elective. Kyle over here, finance major, correct? Yeah. I was in business management. He goes, take Kyle Hampton, Econ 101. And I did, and I chose it as a minor because of that class, which is still a big part of just how I think I love the subject. So like I, I kind of had a brain for these things and I had, you know, quote unquote formal education, quote unquote means nothing. It's just a tool to do what you want to do with it. Yeah. Um, to be able to like, 
put together budgets and make offers and negotiate and like try to do the whole logistics of getting a band out of state to play here and will it do well well it won't do well and so like in the earlier days i was able to like um i was i co-produced a couple shows in the sense that like i was like hey we should bring this band up and ray was like well put your money your mouth is put half down and i'm like okay and then we would like lose money on it you know both of us damn (laughs) you know shout out to those bands they were ones i believed in but it helped me um adjust and learn that like promoter is both um it's a bit of taste making but also what do people want and anchorage interesting anchorage is a real uh, it's a a random place i tell you the tastes of people i think i saw helen said on twitter today about the sundown like hey it's a random city this is a random lineup people ideally love it you know but it took a while to get there because you want to book your own interests all the time like i like this band people here should love them and you're like oh that doesn't work i know you know that's the one thing too like i I mean you know every time i'm like i go to ray and helen like or sarah p or whoever like oh you should book this band they're like we already looked like first off it's not gonna fly here and like yeah like architects right Right. i was like before architects are playing like ten thousand people i was like i was like sarah you should bring them up or helen ray you should bring them up and it's like and I don't know if they're going to do good up here. You just don't know. And it's, it's no like, one's fault for not understanding that. I have to, I always got to check myself because yeah. when, when you were involved with something for a long time, which I've been involved in music to a degree for ugh, a long time, but I've been like specifically more in the, the industry business side of the world for whew, almost like a decade now with starting with, you know, interning at a local venue and putting together local shows and then progressing right. um, under the umbrella of Ray and Helen and Showdown, who I'm always thankful gave me those chances in those early days to like try to do shows under the, the umbrella. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing that you like learn. You just so many little things. You have to be in that world for a long time to really get um, a lot of background details. So I'm not going to be here and try to be like, you sh- are you kidding me? Why would you think that's a good idea? Yeah. And like, what you understand it's 20 flights, right? And like <laughs> these different things like that. Like there's just a million things that make a show work. And uh, we still learn all the time and it can always change on a dime. It's uh, I'm going to quote uh, Dave Shapiro here. He was like, cause I, funny enough, I took like an online class with him once and then we became friends later. He did like a agent relationship type of online course. He, he taught it. Mm-hmm. It was just a one-time only like Skype class. And oh, I signed that's up cool. And that's how I like m- met him initially. Mm-hmm. And then we've hung out a few times since. Shotguns was this, on his porch and everything. Was this before he had uh, a house up here? Yes. Yeah, so when he moved here, I was among some early people he hit up and ended no up shooting. Shit. Explain who Dave is. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Just... Um, I, I understand. Uh, Dave Shapiro is an agent with a huge roster of very notable yeah. bands. You've probably heard of at least one of them on his roster. We've bought, booked a few over the years. Sarah P works for him, Sarah Peterson, mm-hmm. um, if people know her. But yeah, he's, he's got an insane roster of artists, many of which have played Alaska for a long time. And mm-hmm. even Sundown has a few of his artists on it. Uh, but he's a behind-the-scenes guy with, like, a, a big clientele of, yeah. of artists that he books shows and for. And it's funny how you're like, you probably have heard of one of his bands. Because I guarantee, even my parents, mom and dad love you. Like, it's like you say, like, August Burns Red or something. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I've heard you guys talk about him. It's like, yeah, well, you know, he's got his hands in that. It's, he does have a lot. Yeah. He and, does do a lot. Yeah, I, I think the one that worked for my parents when I tried to describe Dave, because I was like, yeah, I just hung out with this guy, Dave, and he's an agent. My dad's like, oh, yeah, who? And I was like, Hanson. And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah dad's, on, the dad's great... playing that record on repeat right yeah. right um uh where was i going with this we were talking about like yeah and it's just, just like a million things behind the scenes that make something work and i'm never going to shun somebody for not understanding things because yeah. you, you just have to like try and fail like we did for a long time to like kind of get these like all these million little uh variables that go into behind the scenes well, stuff it's i think it's the same with anything like you know you see a youtube success right but you don't see the work that they put in, even like I think Nick, uh, medium build when he was on here, like people are getting on board now. 
people see him now, but they don't see like the 10 plus years he's put into it. I think the same yeah, with anything. Who, who who here on this podcast remember seeing Nick Carpenter in a sweaty room of eight people in someone's living room? Like that happened Not years me. ago. Not yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. Matt. Yeah. Matt, Matt did. But like, uh, I think a lot of people don't think about what goes behind the scenes or what takes like time to get up to that. Point, yeah, right? and and I think that's kind of why I gravitated more and more towards that region. The quote I took, I'm rewinding a sec. Dave Shapiro oh, said, the "Quote, yeah, show promoting is educated gambling, which is very true. You like, you just take a big bet and you see if it works because there's so mm-hmm. many things a blizzard can mess up in a show that otherwise would have done good, or just, I don't know, or it was sure. the wrong time of the month, or, you, or right. you're like UAA and you book Macklemore and he puts out Thrift Shop a month later. You know what oh. I mean? You like, you never know. Did he do that? Oh yeah, they had him locked in before Thrift Shop came out, and obviously." It, Macklemore, oh, wow. Grammys, you name it. But anyways. Wow. Who? No, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, Good timing. But I think that's why I gravitated towards that realm, and maybe it ties into why I liked economics so much, is I just, I'm always curious why things exist the way that they do, and why things are, are, I try to understand the world by like, you know, wants and needs, and why things develop, and what systems lead to outcomes, and my brain kind of works. I'm not. I'm not good with numbers. I'm not super analytical. I'm very art forward, art focused. But I'm not like a traditional artist. Like I don't even consider myself a musician, despite talking about playing drums not that long ago. It's. It's like. It's just a thing where like. I always love the art. I'm magnetized towards art and music, but I have a natural inclination towards back-end things to make things exist or put organizational structures together or to man to manage things behind the music. Because I'm not like um, natural or or skilled at. Um, playing instruments outside of drums and and you know like just art brain and you know, we all we all yeah, know the type the artisan type you I know I would call you a musician though I'll, okay I, I won't I argue. mean are you saying like you're defining a musician like if you're like oh you play in an orchestra or you can no, read music um, or no like we all know the working types like and it's just like I've never been someone who can like really read music well I'm not somebody who can record to like a metronome super well I have and it's hard but like mm-hmm. it's not natural to me and like. You know, I even look at somebody like um, like Ray, who does so much of the production for Showdown shows, which if anybody here has seen it, you see the insane level of, like, work. And he collaborates with a lot of people locally. Um, uh, but, you know, he, he has such a natural inclination towards, like, designing lighting fixtures and that stuff. It's like, oh, even though I've been, I've toured yeah. as an, L, an assistant LD, and even still that goes over my head. Like, I just, it. That's a lighting director. Yeah. Assistant light, lighting director. Thank you. Always call out if I throw out a term. Yeah. Because I get frustrated when other people do it in other industries, and I'm like, oh, I do it all the time. Like, oh, I just said it. I know, I, I do like, it LD. too. AD. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I was just talking to my DP. DP? Uh, director of photography. Yeah. Double. P- oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I, I, yeah, sure, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I use music industry terms because my entire my entire mom's side of the family, they're all medical and we have like Thanksgiving and they're like DNP, code red, like all these things. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. So I like to make fun of them. I'm like, oh, half cap room, partially sold, underplayed venue. And they're like, what are you talking? I'm like, there, that's how it sounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think my inclination is like, I think, um, and these are things you only really meditate on as you understand yourself as you get older. I'm, I'm 30. I'm not old, but nor am I young, you know, kind of thing. Um, and uh, the more I've understood myself, like I've gravitated towards I really I like connecting with people and I really like art and I really like um, putting the work into planning and not so much event management anymore. I did that for a long time. Shout mm-hmm. out Chelsea with Showdown. You have a natural knack for it and you take on stress that I have Dude, a hard you're time shouting with. Shout out everybody. I love this community. If they don't listen to this <laughs> podcast for these shout outs, I'll be pissed. We're going to tag each and every yeah, one of them. Yeah, we should. 
<laughs> Chelsea, yes, yes, do Brandon, you'll yeah. get Ray, least, Helen. You'll at least get a listener out of, you know, out of a couple of those people. Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, just like the more I learn about myself, like I, I like to say, like just like I said earlier, cool adjacent. I, I'm like art adjacent. Like I wasn't, mm. I wasn't the one designing, but I was printing it. I was screen printing when I worked in merch. You know, like that is an art form, sure. But like I love my home is filled with like framed art pieces and prints, and I love to print art. You know, and I, um, you know, like now, like what I do, like I obviously miss the high of playing drums and writing with my friends. It's quite a bit of work, but yeah. my. My, you know, I, we working in the music, you see people who are like, hey, can you fill in and be my touring guitarist? And they're like, cool, just send me your, your songbook. And they learn it in a week and they go and perform. And I'm like, I, I, it would take like a year of prep for me to do something. Yeah, right. I say that now, but you know, if someone needs a touring drummer, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, uh, but yeah, like my natural inclination is I think that I'm good at connecting to people. And I think that I like connecting to people and I like being around artists and supporting them as artists. Yeah. And I think that that kind of brain kind of sets you up to work and the behind the scenes industry thing where you're, you're, you're helping to, for a long time, I cut my teeth by throwing shows and events and, and doing all of these little jobs for these bigger events and these little things where I'm, you know, supporting Helen and Ray's vision in this way and this way. And sometimes I'm just cleaning up at phone parties, whatever, but that's what like, kind of motivates me. And I think being so personable, that's kind of like how it, um, you know, we all grew up, we're all, everyone here is like from Alaska. You grow up and you love Alaska and you don't always love Alaska and you want to move, you want to leave, you want to do whatever you're in the arts, which is harder to do from here, which thankfully so many people are proving incorrect between Quinn and Nick and, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, even, uh, Cole with Ralph uh, Castelli, like you don't have to like always be away from Alaska to do it in the art world, especially the industry world. And I've been able to find a niche where like, I, at least like I'm good at connecting to people. Like there's, there were certainly shows and artists where like, you know, Ray or Helen had to send me in to kind of like calm a fire or like kind of like set them up with Mac. They'll get along or, you know, these little things like that. Cause like I'm easygoing enough. I think, yeah. you know, I think most, I don't, I'm sure there's people who don't like me out there, but like I'm at least easygoing. Yeah. I don't think so. Name uh, them. No, Name no, I'm not. <laughs> What's their address? <laughs> no. Where do they live? No, no. Sick them. Um, Sick them, Kyle. No. And, uh, you know, I'm an overthinker. I'm an anxious person. So I, I think that a lot of that you know, a million things tick and make a person who they are. And, and thankfully I've been able to find a way to refine mine that I can be involved in the arts, yeah. even if it's not performing on the stage, which is, is I'm very proud to be that. There's something you just said that sparked uh, something in my brain. And I know you're passionate and you, you've talked about it and you're open about it is the, your anxiety. You just said it right. And you're overthinking mm -hmm. because I, I would imagine, well, I know this for a fact because I did show promotion for one time. Emery. Yeah. One time. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, oh, I might as well make it like this fucking like 20 bands and like local artists. And I might make it as big as possible with inflatables and sponsors. And I, I was stressed. I was stressed the whole time. It was not an enjoyable experience. And that's why I've never Very. done it. And <laughs> and I can totally understand. He hasn't recovered yet. I, no. <laughs> I, I think I, t I talked to the guy who supplied the money for that show. And I think I talked to him like two, three years ago. Now, this was back in 2010 when I did that show. I remember. Uh, he was like, I'm still paying that show off. Woo. And we're talking, that was like 28, it had to have been 2019, 2020, Dang. something like that. Yeah, he's like, I'm still still with, fucking with those bills. Yeah. And I was like, well, shit, man. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. You know, yeah. I, I had this idea. And well, went, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, I love Joe. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so... Overthinking anxiety, I would uh, I would imagine that's something that like is very prevalent in the music industry business, especially behind the scenes. Very. As an artist, you get to roll up, 
do sound check maybe you know not if you're a riffraff yeah <laughs> yeah i listen to the grant podcast yeah. i know what you're talking about yeah and uh but you know you do sound check and then you hang out and then you play the show and then you leave and like that's the glamour of it right but they don't see what goes behind it and they don't see the stress they don't see the t- selling of ticket prices or marketing or all this stuff and so it's like you know when you were working with that stuff how how did you kind of deal with that sure. aspect of you yeah. Know, production. Um, yeah. You know, I'll definitely talk mental health for a second here and I'll, I'll definitely say I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not here to, you know, lay, lay the land in terms but of Kyle like, and I are doctors. Yeah. Got you guys. Uh, okay. Doctor to doctor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no. So I, you know, um, I, I have a pretty, um, I have a genetic disposition for uh, high anxiety and depression as well. Super common. Most people listening can relate to that for sure. Uh, I didn't really have a, a buckle on that until I hit my mid twenties. Um, I think that my uh, high natural anxiety, and I, I for sure wrestled with depression as a kid, uh, off and on here, the self-awareness has allowed me to kind of um, come to terms with it a lot and, and deal with it and manage it. Um, but I did hit a breaking point where there was a long time where I think my high drive work ethic and ambition between my band and my my work and my personal relationships and promoting shows, it kind of it worked for me, like using that anxiety to kind of like propel you because you can mm-hmm. distract yourself. And if you have the energy, you can push it into this and push it into this. And doing all these things, promoting and working and doing all these career things, I think that I had a, um, I had a, a the, the drive that was driven by anxiety, the fuel that was anxiety kind of, it got me to some places, but eventually I hit a breaking point and like a kind of like a, a rubber band snapped or whatever you want to say. Um, from what I understand, a lot of um, mental dispositions really start becoming prevalent in the mid twenties for a lot of male adults. And huh. um, I, um, I sit here and I'm, I'm not, you know, classically medicated for any of those things. I have other family members um, that are, and I, I, I hit a wall where I had a, a, a really particularly stressful time in the thick of promoting and do these other things where I, I had my first like real panic attack. And mm. um, it was in the Denver airport. I was coming back from a show. And I was, I was kind of, I was, um, I was suppressing all that anxiety for so long. And I was about 25, 26. I don't remember exactly how old I was. And I was suppressing it for so long that I hit the breaking point. And I was, you know, I was like probably drinking too much at that time. I didn't understand tolerance. I didn't start drinking until I was like 22. So I was turning 21 at a later age or 18 or whenever people t- traditionally would start like, you know, learning your alcohol relationship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I had, a, I had an extreme panic attack and I, I like blacked out and I, you know, called like the ambulance and I was like scared because I you know my family that has it they're pretty open about it but I didn't always believe it necessarily and and then I finally happened to me and I think I saw a doctor for it because I thought I was dying of course as many can relate when you have those incidents in those moments and um basically I, I ended up doing therapy um through the UAA psych program I didn't have a lot of money at this time and um I was seen by somebody who was training to be a psychiatrist but had like a decade of like family rehabilitation under his belt so he was like highly class trained to do this and he knew his shit in his brain he's like oh this kid's just got anxiety he'll figure it out real quick yeah. and that's kind of where it was as I learned through seeing this guy uh this therapist for the three months that I did I learned um meditation and self-awareness and noting um, when you have um, kind of rises and different things and ways to medicate it like uh, healthily because I, I was in such a bad way that I was like almost I was like begging him to put me on something because I just like didn't know what was happening and I didn't understand like I was like agoraphobic I like couldn't leave the house and it was so weird because so much of what I did was so like social and public facing to which part of my self-awareness is learning I'm, I'm actually an introvert who can just put on a face you know like I, frankly I haven't been on a podcast really so like I was doing meditation breathing techniques 
minutes on the way here just to be nice. calm, you know? Yeah. Doing some box uh, breathing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like a 4-2-4. Four, four, okay, you know? yeah, yeah. 4-2-4. Four, four. Uh, I do a 4-4-4-4. Four, 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 four. Uh, inhale <laughs> for four, hold for two, exhale for four. Um, just listen to your breath. It's okay if your brain wanders. Um, do that, and you can kind of center yourself in the moment. Is there an app you use? Calm. Yeah. Calm. I'm going to switch to Headspace. I think my, my year membership runs up. Runs out, month. yeah. Headspace was mine for a while. I'm going to switch to yeah. Headspace. Try it out. Uh, calm like three years now, four yeah. years. But uh, I learned a lot of that self-awareness. And, you know, I, I also deal with depression now. And again, I recently experienced depression on tour. But the fact that I had these tools of self-awareness and I had support systems and there was tools I knew I could get to, it really, it just helps me pummel through it even when you have those hard times. Like just being able to identify as like a hmm. piece number one, I think. And that's, I had to kind of learn all that stuff as I was going through a lot of bigger career changes and trajectories. And I'm like thankful that I'm at the other end without debilitating addictions. You know, sometimes, you know, I'm just like, you know, a beer will chill me out, yeah. but like, you know, uh, come a long way from like, I need to like black one, out. Yeah. One, you know? two, three. I get yeah. that. I understand that. Yeah. Totally. What I was going to say, what's your self-awareness like process look like? Because I think that's like a, in nothing towards you, but no. it's, it's a really hot word. Um, within the last couple of years of like people becoming self-aware and at the same time, like I've even used it, I think about myself, but then I, I do find myself like I have these um, like corners that I don't see in myself that I'm aware of. And I find myself being like, I'm self-aware. And then I'll find myself like going down something. I'm like, I'm doing exactly like I, I'm not that self-aware that I think I am. So how does that look with you is is it more self-awareness when you're starting to get a panic attack or or something like that? Why this is happening? Like, where did you develop this and what's it like for you? Oh, sure. Um, well, it was definitely during that really hard initial stages where I was having them a lot that I really had to confront it a lot. And um, I, I have a pretty good win on it as far as anxiety goes. I'm very uh, I'm, I'm self-aware of the anxiousness. Like I've just learned to detect the little clues in the notes and and I will say I have a natural disposition towards overthinking, which helps me in career aspects. Like being an overthinker is good for someone who has to manage an event or manage an artist or like yeah. tour manage. Like that's that partially, you know, do business and yeah. just different things like that. So like that, I have that natural disposition. So I'm always checking boxes when something feels off. I just kind of run down the noting list of like, okay, I'm breathing heavy. Is it my asthma, which I also have asthma, you know, and like, or in this, and I, I just run through like a checklist in my head. And um, I, maybe that comes with how I'm wired or whatever, but it, it pretty much, yeah, you just learn notes over time and you read the end result enough, enough, enough that you, you just, you build your routine for it. And mm. so I, it's, you know, you self-awareness doesn't mean that you can stop what's happening sometimes right, like right. you gen there's so many there's something i learned from the trade of screen printing is there's a thousand variables that can mess up a print and there's a thousand variables that can influence how you're feeling in any given hour so like you can't always be the master of your domain at all times and i think maybe it's a philosophical 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 thing okay. but um uh having the grace to admit that you're you're not perfect uh, thankfully my dad has always kind of um not literally beaten but over and over again instilled like intellectual curiosity is important in a person and if yeah. you can be really at peace with not knowing everything while just doing your best and having grace for others then it can go a long way I, i've recently become to lionize like a mr rogers for that reason you know what i mean yeah, about, yeah. About not yeah. idolizing perfection mm -hmm. i used to be a perfectionist and it helped me be more anxious than I deserve to be at the time, maybe. I know. Or deserve to be, but learned. I think that's a good sign of a uh, creative, an artist. <laughs> we, well, no, I'm serious. I mean, like, we've talked about it a bunch on here, and I feel like yeah. there is a lot of, you know, 
perfectionism when it comes to making and creating art yeah. in general. And so, I mean, like, I still struggle with perfectionism and overthinking mm-hmm. and, like, you know, being like, oh, my gosh, what if this isn't perfect? You it's know, human. I, yeah. It, it, 100%. It's totally fine. Um, but it is, like, when it starts to become an issue. And, and so that's really interesting that you're kind of, like, you know, you're being aware of that. And I think that's really – that's the step one. Yeah. And I think that's the almost, like, it can be the hardest or the easiest, whatever you want. But, like – just being aware of your perfectionism or your overthinking or your anxiety is like, you know, healthy. And yeah. so that's kind of cool that you, you've already like, you know, you've been able to calm yourself and you found these little tactics. Is there any other tactics that you use besides like the meditating, the breathing? <clears throat> uh, just recognizing stimulation at times, you know, like. I work in a field of live music where you're screaming over people just to, you know, sell them a shirt or figure yeah. out what needs just to go have a on conversation. stage. So I, I, I've, I've, I have a pretty good co- like ability to like distance myself from a stimulation, but there's others that I realize hit me in a certain way. And, um, I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to articulate more than that. Self-awareness is a real blanket term, but you just kind of grow all the time and no, I think be I, aware. But I think that's the best term. For it because that is the like you know like I said the first step. Um, I am curious though you know so you're you know let's get back to the timeline is like yeah, you're, yeah. you're in promotion you're organizing shows. Um, how do you make that shift from that to going on tour with bands? Sure, and being a tour manager and what did that look like? Yeah, uh, that's that's the that's the sort of the last general chapter of where we're at in this yeah. timeline. How where how you know there's a million details we didn't talk about because nobody wants to hear nine hours on my life or anything like that. But like, I think you'd be surprised. No, 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 no. If you, Your girlfriend's listening. Sure. Yeah, shout yeah. out Addy. Shout out Addy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So the the leap kind of went like this. It was literally just as easy as I was. Um, I was doing all the things I just talked about with shirts up, show down, all these different things, and. Um, I was co-producing some shows and even still it was hospitality for others, but there was a, there's a handful of artists that I, um, I worked with Ray and Helen to, to get up here and, um, Alaska is different than a lot of other places that we often will be hosting an artist and showing them around. Cause that's kind of the appeal. I'm going to mm-hmm. sound a little industry here, but Alaska is considered a fly out destination for shows and artists, typical tours in the lower 48. It's a bus pulls up to the building. Uh, the artists go in, they sound check, they play, they bounce out. Most of the time they don't meet a promoter unless the tour manager is collecting a check or occasionally few far between they'll come shake hands if they're a fan or if they're just in the building at the time. In Alaska, a lot of promoters here treat it like, hey, like we know it's hard to come here and it's not, it doesn't always pay the best to come here. So it's like people come here because they want to see the mountains, they want to see the bears and see the moose, all that. And what an experience, an adventure. And that was part of the scrappiness of Showdown is like, well, hey, we can't always cut the highest deal because we're not we're not making money on beer like other places you know it's purely ticket sales for us so we really would emphasize like we're going to show you around and because of that you 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 get some one-on-one time with artists and some of the artists that i was bringing to alaska um didn't always have a tour manager but even still drop those names drop them so um the first band that i ever brought to alaska from out of state was 68 josh scoggin band loved it Great shows. Josh Scoggin from The, the Chariot. Chariot, Norma Jean. Yep. Yeah, in which not every Alaskan understood the reference. It was after the fact where people were like, oh, he was in those bands. I yeah. should have went. And I was like, yeah, thanks. I oh, lost money. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. um, and <laughs> I then, was Avzies on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and the second artist that I that was national that I brought to Alaska was Touche More, who um, I have now employs me, which is great. Uh, full circle stuff. Uh, uh Third artist was Census Fail. It was the first time I made money on a national show. Which I, remember, yeah. I remember you excited Love about that, that one. Very, very yeah. excited. Um, Did you watch the Joshua Tree one? Um, Their live show? Mm, I haven't, no. Oh, it's 
they did a like not a pay per view, but like oh, I have seen it. Yep. Yeah, it was good. That okay. was really that good. was during the the lockdowns because yeah. a lot of artists were doing the streaming events. The streaming, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I love uh, Census Fail. Like, oh, great band. Oh, fun to work with. Um, and just, then Kyle just went from six to midnight like, again. <laughs> two <laughs> podcasts in a row. <laughs> yeah, or three. Um, <laughs> and then the next artist I brought was uh, K Flay. I like pivoted a little bit out of the rock yes. world because at this point I, I miss K Flay. Oh, I was I was real. No, I was just really bummed. And oh. then, yeah, no, I mean I I, 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 I missed. I, I missed. I don't say I miss. I I <laughs> I didn't meet her, but no, I missed the show, and I was really bummed because I heard it was phenomenal. Yeah. I heard she did really good. Well, I will say um, from a promoter standpoint, it was really scary because I took a limb because at this point, obviously, my taste was uh, expanding. I've long since dropped that it has to be rock. It has to be hardcore influenced by my surroundings. Right. I'm growing an appreciation for all all genres, all things. And I was like, yeah, it'd be really cool to do something outside of my comfort zone in terms of like genre. And I was like, you know, uh, KFLA at the time was more like hip hop, indie, all these different pop, some rock influences, everything. Kind of one yeah. of those um, transient genre artists. And uh and the pre-sale was horrible. Like they almost thought about canceling because I only sold like thirty tickets, and then like the day of the walk-up was like five six hundred at Willow. Oh. And this is before Willow was what it is now, which is more branded, more known destination. Yeah. This is when they were still kind of like developing that that foothold. So like I, it was literally like um, they almost canceled it, and we almost canceled it, and then it just worked out where people showed up the day of, and it was a great show. And um, that particular weekend, um, same thing. It's like hosting, showing them around. At the time, um, she was having some issues with her tour manager. It was like fairly new tour manager to her, um, and there was just there was some struggles with when they were here. She wasn't doing this, wasn't doing this, and it was kind of stressful for her. And they did a whole Europe tour with Paris after that, and um, and she just like she's uh, I'll say this about Christine Kayfoy. She's like such 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 a sweet person. She's the memory of an elephant. Never needed set list. The sweetest person ever. She basically was like. Hey, you should just meet my manager. I like you. You should just meet him sometime if you're ever in LA. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And like my gut was like telling me, like, yeah, I should, I should do that sometime. And I went to FYF Festival with Helen. We moshed to Missy Elliott. Shout out Missy Elliott. Um, <laughs> she's and, definitely listening. Uh, yeah. She's got it by if now. If I can, if I can say anything, Missy's Missy's on this podcast. Yeah, right yeah. Now. Okay, okay. Missy Elliott. Shout outs. Um, we went to this festival, and I was like, I'm gonna hit up. I'm gonna hit up uh, Christine's manager. His name's Seth. And I was like. Seth, Christine says we should get a coffee, and he was just like, "Yeah, sounds cool." And we like, I Ubered to wherever his neighborhood was in LA, and we like, we had a coffee, and we just just talked about whatever, and talked about Christine, and like at the Alaska show, and just kind of anything, just kind of like a vibe thing. And we, she was right, like premonition was that we did get along. He was a really cool guy, and he was like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like. I didn't even like think about it. I didn't overanalyze this moment. I was just like, I've never really seen a lot of the country. I'd really love to tour. I don't know, tour manage, like yeah. something like that. And he was like, all right. And then like a month later, he's like, hey, we have room for a stage tech on this tour. Do you just want to, you want to come, you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. it was kind of like a question mark. We don't really know what you're going to do yet, but we'll figure it out when you get here. And I'm like, so nervous. This was like January, 2018. I did, it was the first national tour I did. And it was like a bus tour with a Wi-Fi and a whole crew. A lot of this crew, we still keep up. A lot of the band, we still keep up. They're all doing crazy different things now. Um, but, like, yeah, I was like, we brought on, and I was um, tuning guitars and basses during the set and handing them off because she had a band of, like, three. I was setting up LED walls. I was working, like, 10 hours a day. Like, I mean, thank God it was a bus tour because it was, like, 10 hours of labor a day. Um, and I was doing running, helping run the VIP with the photographer who was also doing VIP. And it was, like, a whole thing. And most of the venues are, like, 1,200 and sold out. And oh, wow. It was, like, a really cool first national tour, and it felt very, like, cool and rewarding, fulfilling, and so many stories. 
and you know, like I came back and like, um, I ended up coming back to like a situation where I wasn't very financially stable. It wasn't like a high paying gig. It was more of an experienced one. And it was just because of the size of the tour and what I agreed to when it was my first tour and all these different things. And, um, I was basically unable to tour for a little while because I was invited back and I couldn't make it work and I had obligations to my my jobs here. Had obligations. I was so confused on like what I wanted to do because it was going to require a huge leap to keep doing that full time. And I was so scared because it's hard to break into that world because you basically just make when you have the competence. And you know, I guess in my case, it was a background in business and management because I had I'd work in other. I won't dwell on these, but like besides screen printing, I worked other jobs where I was adjacent to creativity. I worked in an agency for a while where I was doing production coordinating and helping shoot commercials. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I got you hired to a gig or two over you there. You did, you did. And, you know, I was like... Um, Some would say that you started where my career is at. Whoa. Yeah, I, I would say because... Let's talk because I wanted to talk about this. So since you brought it up, uh, you got me in the door with one of a uh, one of the bigger agencies here yeah and then just for music making because i was composing tracks commercial scores it's amazing what a community can do if you just and care and are nice because to of that yeah. i met some people and then now uh those people follow me on social media and i post some stuff and then they see something and then they're like oh hey we have this job coming up you should do this and boom boom bada bing so honestly i and i've thought about this a lot like <laughs> think you might have started my career <laughs> hey maybe yeah. steven you you are the star you did your thing i just i just well, like to, i like to connect people and all i did was yeah. that and you took it away it's all you man I, but i mean i you know thank you for saying that but also like i i think it's kind of cool the people you know even talking to k flay and the tour manager the people you meet you have no idea what kind of impact they could have on your life really right? yeah solid and point so, you know your text that you sent to the tour manager, you could have been like, you know, I'd rather just stay at the festival, hang out with Helen. Yeah. I don't feel like going. Yeah. Uh, but you did it. And I think, you know, there's a test to that. And then all of a sudden, boom, next thing you know, you're on a tour. And then next thing you know, you're doing this and you're doing that. So now here you are. I mean, of course, we're moving ahead. Right. Uh, I want to hear kind of where you got yeah, yeah. to where Touche is. Yeah, there's there's not a, there's not a whole lot of nitty gritty necessarily. We're not going to delve. I know this is uh, we don't have to go too long on the podcast. I will say this round robin. If you say that me connecting you to one person at the agency I used to work with kind of helped launch where you are now in your career. Hey, mm-hmm. look, maybe I wouldn't have been there if I didn't minor in economics, which Kyle suggests that I take this professor. Uh, I, I think Stephen owes us both royalty checks. That's to true. Be honest, <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, to, to some extent, <laughs> we need shit, some. Uh, this is an intervention, Stephen. <laughs> yes, Kyle off, and I, I planned this. Get first off, nobody signed any contracts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what yeah. we're talking about. Um, yeah. Nobody, the audience does not agree with you. Yeah, they booed. Yeah. That, was a, that, <laughs> yeah. was a boo. that was a big old boo. That sounds like a yeah. boo to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyways, uh, you're on tour with K. Flay, and then uh, so, yeah, skip ahead to like Touche and where that is because those are some pretty fucking big shows. Yeah. Um, and I just saw you were in like LA not too long ago. 15th like anniversary a, show. It was yeah. like a sold out show. Very. I was like, holy fuck, that's so cool. Not only for like them, but also you to be a part of that. Yeah. I was like, that's so much fun. Um. Yeah. Uh. No. Um. Yeah. Uh. So I did that K-Flay tour and when it ended, I was in a really difficult crossroads where I, I don't think I was ready to really be in that life. A lot of different factors. That's also when my mental health was starting to bubble. It was that year that I had those mm. panic attacks and kind of had to shut myself down for a few months and like go to go to therapy and do the things that would help me 
Kudos um, to you for even like realizing that you needed to go to therapy. And it was take hard. Care of it. it was really hard, and um, it was easier to do with family and support and friends, and just telling you like, "Oh, good on you!" Like you know, do that, do yeah. things that make you well. And you know, it, it, and it's not that I don't need those tools still. Every once in a while, it's, it's never really goes away. You just learn how to manage it. But, anyways, so that happened. Uh, different things here or there. You know, I worked a few jobs that were um, art adjacent, agency. Um, I, um, just different things that I was always kind of had my hands somewhere in the creative field to some degree at, at some point and mm-hmm. uh, did a couple personal ventures you know I like I did a tiny clothing brand where I put my dog like on a hoodie wolf basically hug. yeah wolf fun shout yeah. out if anybody has any of that merch shout I don't, out I don't I did not I'm really make bummed. very much I'm really bummed I didn't get anything uh, the, the pandemic that threw everything off um, I probably would still be doing something if I if that didn't happen that kind of derailed it because it was like clothing and it was, an, it was an avenue for me to be creative like I was doing coffee collaborations yeah. I was putting merch out there I was sending merch out you uh, still could pick it up. I, yeah, I still think you could. I'm all. I'm always doing little things. Wolf Hunt's yeah. never dead. Dead. I just haven't done anything for a long time, yeah. and it might not come back either. So like, you, know, you never know. It's <laughs> somewhere in the somewhere in the ethereal world, and maybe it'll pick it back up. Yeah, it's like cutting caliber. You know. Yeah, yeah it's not we, dead. Cutting caliber's not dead, but it could come it's back. It's just out there. It's it's dead. Creative endeavors, right? Yeah. Zombies. Yeah. Just you know, yeah, that's we true. Bring that's back. true. Um, so. Uh, the thing that shut the world down happened. Uh, I worked in luxury tourism that whole time where I was doing tours for wealthy uh, tourists where I was putting together like itineraries that were two or three weeks long and people would spend like a hundred grand to be here for a week. Whoa, and I, would, I like, didn't know you did that. Or, d- through the I didn't whole, even know that exists. I mean, I, I guess I knew that existed, but I didn't I know. I knew it existed. Wow. Well, <laughs> I was like, I've, I've been doing it. <laughs> Yeah. I've been yeah, paying familiar. for those tours. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, yeah. I, I started in that world literally a month before COVID started. And then I think we oh, was no. at a job that got enough of a relief fund that I kept a job throughout the pandemic, just doing like really guarded, like luxury tourism where there would be a private guide who had to be vaccinated and they had to wear masks and they were isolated. It was crazy. But I was doing like that world, which again is another extension of things I already do, right? Like logistics and planning and budgeting and and like managing people because there were also clients because I was selling them this big luxury Alaska package and these different things and super hands-on with people. And I was doing that throughout and I was already kind of getting tired of it. And I'm not like here to slander anything. It just was like, wasn't for me. Like it wasn't working out, ceiling, whatever. And I was already like thinking about a career shift. And um, and this is kind of uh, one of the beautiful things is when I did that first tour with, with um, K-Flay, which like was immensely like did a lot for me, but I had to learn a lot after that and I had to deal with a lot of crossroads and I learned how, needed to learn how to like uh, be a functional kind of person when I got back and not let things go to my head because it's just little things, little crude things, whatever. Where again, I was like tuning guitars and doing all sorts of crazy stuff for mm-hmm. that one. And um, I had mentioned that I had brought Touche Amore to Alaska, and they're they're you know they're a touring DIY working class band from the hardcore and post hardcore world. You know they didn't come up with a tour manager or anything like that. And I showed them around, uh, got along with them, great, kept in touch with them. You know you connect with people, and at the end of the day, my favorite thing about music, art, all of it is I love connecting with people. I love art. I love how people do it. I like how people tick. My favorite stories from tour and not tour, just character related. I love interesting people and like things that they Mm. put out into the world. Um, Pandemic is lifting where things are normalizing again. You know, like people are going out again, you know, some masking, not masking and uh, all that. Shows were starting to lift back up again and and showdown starting to do stuff again. And I was kind of looking at it in my career. And I got this text from Jeremy from Touche Amore. He's the singer. And he goes, Hey, this is random. You've toured before, right? And I said, yeah, like three years ago. And he was like, he had visited. I had seen him in Alaska not that long prior. Um, he had proposed to his girlfriend 
Ashley, now fiance, here in Alaska. Oh, cool. And we met up for a coffee. And again, this is one of those people that I've just kept up with since I met him in 2015 when I brought him to Alaska. So 2015 to 2021, six years have gone by since I've really been Jeez. around half of this band. I get a text from Jeremy. You've toured once before, yeah? Sure have. What's up? Oh, hi, Jeremy, by the way. Yeah. God, yeah. we just say hi to me. He basically, he's, I think he said hi. Just I kidding. I'm just he's, kidding. He's objective. He's whatever. not a high guy. He, no. he's, he's not a high guy. Nope. Right to business. Yeah. yeah. He goes, this is going to sound wild, but we have a tour with Thrice in two uh, weeks. Our normal tour manager is no longer available. How do you feel about tour managing? And so, uh, just tour, it started as tour managing, not merch. Did uh, you even hesitate? Yeah. He, I was like, what? And I was already planning on like kind of getting out of my day job and I was just like this is incredible like I'm actually in a good place in life to do this as opposed to I wasn't in a good place in life the last time I was mm. given the offer years before a pandemic which is heartbreaking in a lot of ways didn't think you're going to do the things that you want you never know the future's gray whatever and you know I was just like scrambling I was like I think I can make this work and at the time my job was even like you can just leave you'll be a leave of absence or whatever <laughs> please which, leave yeah, yeah please. which I ended up quitting that job by the time the second tour came around anyway but um, you know, I was like, I'm able to keep my job. I get to go on tour, which I've always wanted to do. I'm with my friends in a band I admire in Touche Amore, and it's supporting this other great band thrice. Yeah. And um, so cool. it was literally two weeks' so notice. Cool. Two weeks' notice. And um, I'm going to talk about my partner, Addie, um, real quickly, too. We went on our first date like 10 days before I went on tour. And the date opens. We were at Tequila 61, and I'm like, you know, we're just chatting. Uh, we only met each other like through Twitter. Funny enough, that's kind of where we met. Really, uh, she was moving back from Portland, uh, um, and we just connected. It's one of those classic, like, "Oh, you're funny, you're clever. Oh, you're cute too. We should meet each other. Yeah. We're both like single, you know, like things yeah. like that." And and we had met, and I was like, "Hey, that's the first. This is you know, first time we're meeting each other. But I'm going to be gone for six weeks and ten days, and I haven't really told that many people yet. You know, like I'm going to be gone for like six weeks on tour." And she's like, "Oh." Well, I'm a flight attendant. And I was like, so people are usually mad at me for being gone a lot. And I'm like, <laughs> no kidding. Cool. And, hey, you know, mad in love, transient lifestyles. It works out. I'm thankful to have a partner who understands that, you know, yeah. the coming and going. And she's able to visit me on tours. And it's, it's just the best ever. She's the best ever. But I like, um, you know, over for a million reasons. But uh, that has to play a part where my life was just like, just on this up and up where I'm like, I was asked to tour manage, which I had manifested that I wanted to do years prior sit with, a, with a group that I hadn't seen in six years. They trusted me. Um, I met a girl who was okay with this lifestyle and was supportive, and we just hit it off. And like, all, and it was like, it was just like, yeah, it was on the up and up. Like, I manifested this. I wanted this. I didn't realize I did. I had imposter syndrome for a long time over it. And then I got COVID <laughs> and I had to miss the first three days of the tour. Oh. I had to wait twice. I said negative. I missed Furnace Festival. I missed all these things. But there was a blessing in all that because this is when things were still highly like many venues were requiring. Um, vaccination, um, masking was still the norm as it was. It was still a precarious time. It was like vaccines had just come out. It's like fall of 2021, I guess, is mm -hmm. the time frame. Or 2022. Last, last year. Last year. year. It was about a year. Yeah, it was a year and a half ago was my first tour with them. Yeah. And uh, so because I had uh, missed COVID, I had spent like the whole two weeks. Here's another music industry term. Um, uh, it's called advancing. When you're a tour manager, it means that you're emailing all the venues and promoters and you're making sure they have the stage specs, the 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 rider, that they're going to be set up so that when you pull up, they know what you need. Everything you need is there. You know, uh, pita chips, vegan stuff in the green room, all these green inputs on the stage, things like that. I didn't have to do very much advancing uh, because Thrice's team was primarily doing it. 
But one of the things that I was doing is at the time, we were trying to be like, well, for COVID reasons, we should just hire local merch sellers everywhere we go, which is a mm. whole thing. I had to tap into this big Rolodex of all these music industry people I've met over the years through touring and like hiring old Alaskans who like moved to other places to like sell the merch for the band. And and because I had COVID, and I, it was like the worst ever to break that no, news where I, I caught it, I think, while wearing a mask. But as we all know, it can just it can just happen. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. And I was vaccinated. Um, it, it, it can be totally random. But um, I was like, you know, I was like, God, this is a huge opportunity. And I have to miss the first couple of days. But I was like, thank God we set up all these merch sellers because they'll be able to at least take care of yeah. that. And the band's so DIY, working class, that it's more like I just am a sixth man to them. I take care of all the little stuff they don't need. And... It was just so difficult those first few days. It was so much communication lapses and it's hard to train somebody on your point of sale and your merchandise on like three hours notice when that's like half of your income. A lot of bands of that tier, the mid tier, they make X amount of money um, on their guarantees and their performance and then they make almost equal amount on merch sales. Mm -hmm. Like I'm telling you, like it doubles their income. So yeah. merch is really important in the music world, especially the mid tier merch can double the band's income. So it's important to like have people you trust selling it and orchestrating it and managing it, which I helped set up the initial quantities and these things because I had so much experience producing and printing yeah. merch and things like that That's in the cool. past. Um, and so anyways, it worked out where Jeremy pulls me and says, hey, like, it's not going well to have these local sellers. It's just so such a headache. And I feel like it's, it's not the same because like the whole point is to like for COVID reasons, but then we still have to interact with this person who interact with a lot of people. Hey, you just had COVID. Are you, if, are you opposed to doing merch and tour managing? I, we're supporting Thrice. They <laughs> they're, like, do, they're doing a lot of the yeah. big legwork. Like, we've had other people in the past do it, and you can keep all the tips. And I'm like, oh, double my income, double your income. Yeah. And uh, that worked out because it, it doubled my income um, doing both. But it's a very niche role because not every tour manager has the time to do it. Support runs, you have the time to do it with a mid-tier band. When we headline, I still have time because the band is mostly doing 500, 600 cap rooms in the headline, unless it's in LA where it's 1,200 sold yeah. out immediately. Um, but that's how that started. I had imposter syndrome that whole first six-week tour with Thrice. I was oh. nervous. I didn't understand it. I had COVID fog brain. It was a whirlwind. It was crazy. I met like a lot of insane people. Um, you know, I, I promised myself I wouldn't like name drop, but I, I love characters. I, I met Ross Robinson, who's like the he produced like. Um, like the first couple of Slipknot records and like Corn oh, yeah. and like if you look up Ross Robinson it's crazy what albums he's been responsible producing <laughs> and he happened to produce Touche Amore's Lament their most rec re recent record they had him in the green room in LA and Jeremy's like Ross this is my friend uh, Mac and he literally like looks me in the eyes and he's like I think we've met in a different life, actually. <laughs> like, like really, like, spacey. And I was like, that's... In like, there's so cool. many little stories like that that happened on that tour, which did not help my imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. And then when I get, I get home, <laughs> I'm like, that was insane. It was really fulfilling. I really felt like they could trust me and they trusted me. And, I like, I helped make the thing seamless because, again, um, I know I skipped a few details. For non-industry folks, tour managers, it's, like I said, it's all the non-performing aspects. It takes... It alleviates the burden of communicating with venues, um, setting schedules, um, you know, just doing all those little things, you know, sometimes like driving or reparking the van. Thankfully, the band, Touche, there's some of the best guys ever. Um, and they're so DIY that it's easy to tour with them. They're really self-starters and it's a lot of mellow, it's a mellow bunch. It's easy to get along with. You didn't have to deal with high, strong personalities or anything like mm. that. And then you just manage a lot of those things. And thankfully, I didn't have to manage a lot of big conflicts or anything. And then, you know, you communicate, you collect the checks, you do all these different things. Tour gets out, and I'm like, again, imposter syndrome. I'm like, that doesn't feel right that I did that. And then they're like, oh, you want to come back in the spring? And I'm like, okay, this is like, all right, okay, I'm, I'm right to be in this position. And and it felt good. And I've now done three tours with them. I've seen them 90 shows of Touche Amore that I've worked, Damn. met oodles of people. 
um, made lots of connections, and now they're taking some time off to just play festivals and write a record. So I'm, I'm off for a little while, uh, open to other tours, but I don't like, have to. It's a really nice position to be in. You know, I don't have to tour, but I like to, and I can. And just kind of like when I'm home, I make coffee, I pull shifts at Feeling yeah. Co. and hang out with my friends and do little endeavors and do stuff with Showdown and, you know, help with Sundown and different things like that. And it's, it's a really nice place to be. And it's, it's, um, it's difficult being on the road for that wrong, for that long. And, but I'm trying to take it off, not for granted that I can do those things and I can see so much of the country. Um, for sure. Like, I mean, you guys have traveled, you guys have toured too. Like it, it helps kind of bring it all home. Um, not to, you know, just carry on about things that I enjoyed on the road or little aspects, but like, I have gotten to see, I think I'm at like 47 states at this point. It's some real random ones I haven't been to. What do you, just off the top, what, how many states do you think you've been to? 15? 50. 50. You've done 50? I've done 50. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, big deal. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think of like probably 38. I think I just have like Maine and Rhode Island. Yeah. I, and then I one really yeah. random. I got them all on the same trip. And I only, because like we were, had a, my parents live in New York. And so we drove up to Maine. And then we all, I was like, well, we have to go get Rhode Island. We have Connecticut. to get the other 48. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we just did a big old road yeah, trip. We, no, we like literally, <clears throat> I made them drive to like Rhode Island and Connecticut, like just so I could check it off. Yeah. I, that's kind of where I was at, where I'm all like, God, I'm so close to like the two states I haven't yeah. been to. Which I think it's, I honestly think it's like Nebraska. It's something. Oh. I only counted if I've gotten out at a gas station at minimum. If you can catch oh, okay. A vibe. So that's the thing. I, I'm not counting airports. Ooh. I don't count airports too. Posers. If I drive, if I, if I drive through it, <laughs> yeah. I count it. That's so, not, like, I'm, if I'm being honest, it's not that different than going to a Shell gas station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And being like, oh, they sell those bumper stickers here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, it, probably I stopped at gas stations, but I mean, basically, I remember like, you know, I feel like you got a lot of road to somebody trips. in the state. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, yeah. You think so? I feel like that's the rule, you know? That's, I'm making it now just because <laughs> I'm making the <laughs> a good rule. Yeah. Well, because I feel like that is a good rule. what's the difference between flying over and driving through? You know, you're not like stopping. Driving, you flying, gotta, flying over is faster. And also you're not looking faster, out the window. I agree. But driving, you're like looking at the landscape unless, you know, if you're uh, driving. I mean, in my head, I, it, I do it agree. Like it, it probably counts, but it does feel a little bit like airporty. Like you're flying to the airport. Just you're like, let me have it, Kyle. Let me have no. it. No, <laughs> let us let us have it. But yeah, um, okay, forty seven. Uh, yeah, that's, anyways, that's respectable. The the point I think I was trying to get to is like you know touring and you you meet so many different people and amazing people at all these different venues and you see how things tick and because I came from the promoter world I've been on the side where I'm on the other end I'm the one who's greeting the artist so like it, it's a nice rounded perspective you meet wonderful people in all positions and jobs and I grew up in Trapper Creek so I've like a firm believer that everywhere is like somewhere right like mm -hmm. you know I don't like writing places off that being said I can be a hater sometimes you know like about certain places or certain cities I don't love. Um, but a lot of name cities, em. name one name them. I don't like Charlotte. Oh, really? <laughs> don't like it. Oh, I like. I mean, I've only been there. He's for only one driven time. through there, <laughs> yeah. so he doesn't know. You're right, <laughs> Charlotte. I uh, why not? Why, well, we don't have to get into it. But no, uh, I'll speak broadly to the because that is kind of part of the point that I'm trying to get at. Is like you know, uh, wonderful times with the band. They're great friends. You meet so many new people in all places. I never try to disrespect where someone came from because I came from Trapper Creek and that people so many people can write off a small town like that all the time. And people are shocked that I'm from Trapper Creek and yeah. I do what I do. And frankly, my neighbor, like I have neighbors that are doctors and well, also, anyways, I believe in everywhere somewhere and every good person can come from anywhere, but there's special things about where you can come from and every city can have distinct flavors. But mm -hmm. I will say that um, um, touring a lot of cities and granted, as you guys know, touring, um, 
people are like, oh, it's like a vacation, right? You get to just do all this fun stuff. And you're like, no, I get to walk like within 10 blocks for two hours yeah. in between the show and, and, and set up sound check. And yeah, so you, set up merge. It's enough to catch a vibe in a city, but you don't really deep dive it or anything yeah. like that. Um, right. But there are certain stretches as, you know, six weeks on the road and you want to see certain parts of the cities. The, it feels um, there's like a sterility to a lot of modern cities in the sense that like sometimes this is a theory I heard somewhere else, but they're like the world is becoming an airport. If yeah. that makes sense. So yeah. like you're like you're like I don't know. It doesn't matter where I am. It's the same Starbucks. It's the same city of America. It's the same craft brewery that has three IPAs on tap. You know what I mean? It's like some things can feel repetitive after a while. So it's given me an appreciation for a where I come from in Alaska mm-hmm. and community where you come from, but also like be an appreciation for characters, the things that I like stand and stand out in certain places or the characters that you meet in those places. So that like brings it all back home to like, that's the part that I appreciate the most about traveling is you just get just more reasons to connect with people and expand. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so re- like, like we've taken up a lot of your time. Sure. Um, but I do kind of want to touch on like what's next. Oh, what sure. Are you, what, what's coming down the pipe that you're excited about? Um, and like, you know, what are you thinking? You know, you want to get back into maybe get that clothing line back up? Baby. <laughs> I don't know. I've never really planned a year in advance other than I want to You're not a planner. Do, I'm not a planner. I just like to do cool things. And when I set my mind to something, I plan everything that makes it work, but well, I don't plan I mean, a year one of in the advance. things that you said re- like before, you were like, I manifested that. Sure. So you have I you have ideas, you have goals, you have dreams. Like, you know, is there anything else coming up or have you you accomplished it all? <laughs> no, You're like no, I did it. No, all, I have baby. not accomplished it all. <laughs> I check I've, check check. I've all, I always wanted to tour and tour manage and be a part of the music world and I've done that to a degree. I haven't done um um international touring. I haven't done are, arena tours. I've cool. pretty much just done club level. Yeah, put it stuff. out into the universe, baby. Yeah, yeah, putting it out there. I, I honestly, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot lately just because I'm coming off of three back-to-back tours that were very difficult and time-consuming and you name it and had to deal with like some depressive episodes in the middle and these different things that are just total mental and different things like that. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, my mind is in both, I want to see more of the world and not so much the U.S. Uh, I don't know if that means touring or just traveling independently. Honestly, man, like maybe it's turning thirty, but my t- thoughts are getting domestic real quickly. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm ready to like maybe maybe a family, like maybe a home, like it's already Damn, happening. It but it is when you hit thirty. Yeah. I swear. And it, I think like, as soon as you hit the three zero, and it could be accelerated because I've gotten to like at least put my foot in this world that I had kind of put on a pedestal for a long time mm-hmm. and being able to like tour and make an income adjacent to music by like helping all these shows happen and trying not to be jaded or the whole time because sometimes you can get burnout dealing with kids on a Tuesday or no, I shouldn't say kids, people on a Tuesday. Average demographic of Tuesday is like 30, but yeah. like, you know, but like damn kids, you always have to remind yourself, um, that what made you love it in the begin with. So like, I, I, I always have to humble myself to not be like overly jaded or like too much of a pro to like know that people, the live music is a thing and it's an experience for everybody. Mm. So like sometimes I have to catch myself and be like, no, actually that was so special for that person. I shouldn't call them a punisher, quote unquote. You yeah. know what I mean? Something like that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love it, dude. Uh, and uh, I love you. And thank you for coming on the podcast and absolutely to us. you guys it's it's wonderful to catch up i know i ranted a lot um, that's okay no I, I learned a lot and i i mean like i was like uh like usually i can like take mental notes of like oh okay this is a good clip that we'll pull for social media so you had so many golden nuggets man you got so much wisdom to share and so thank you for uh oh, being open 
Yeah. Talking about mental health and sure. talking about what you're doing and, and how you got there. I, I, I I'm not a public facing person, so I wanted to I wanted to be able to speak on stuff that people might enjoy hearing because you know I'm not I'm not a Nick Carpenter, I'm not the front stage, I'm like running around the back usually yeah. doing stuff like that. So thanks for giving me a platform to share on those things. I always want to zero in how important community is and Alaska is and the arts are and like you you t- you told me to take an econ class and it kinda helped develop my career and I, I and set then, you up yeah. with an when I was working at an agency and it's kinda <laughs> yeah. I'm there's it's so important important all these little connections and being from Alaska even if we're isolated it's so special those things I have a super quick story I don't know if there's a hard time with very yeah, quick no, story no, about the importance and I it's, it's only slightly name dropy but I'll be like very humble or, or I'll be like very honest about how it went this first tour it was like my first the, the band was like hey what are some unlocks quote unquote like places you haven't been that you're excited to been, be to oh were, that's they, cool I like they that were living what are by, some unlocks they were living vicariously through me because they've been a band for now 15 years at the time it was 14 years so they're like oh yeah Mac hasn't seen New York City before and I was like, that was one of them. I was like, well, I've never been in New York City. And they're like, oh, well, yeah. okay, we're going to be playing Terminal 5 with Thrice, which is a wonderful, crazy, cool venue. I've seen so many videos of people that have played there. And we go there, and um, th- I'm bringing this back to the importance of community and connections. Um, and they're like, they're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to go to a bodega, and I want to meet an authentic New Yorker. <laughs> authentic New Yorker. You, I know you're going to like this, Stephen, because I know you're from, you got that, you got, you got time in that authentic, area. Authentic, yeah. Yeah. Um, Immediately it happens. We pull up to Terminal 5. It's like the crew weed because on that tour we had four local hands who were carrying in gear with us <laughs> and saying excited right now. Okay. I'm, uh, I, yeah, I promise I won't go too long on this. That's okay. So we pull up, we get out of the van, and it's a an, it's an older mustachioed gruff piece of beef jerky by the name of Big Earl was his oh, name. Oh, man. He sees the T.A. Touche Amore and all the gear case goes, eh, DNA, eh. You know, other people would say that stands for, can't talk about that anymore. You know, like, <laughs> and like, this is how he introduces. And yeah, I'm just like, baby, I'm like, big oh, girl. I'm already like, I've already said I love characters. And that's what, that's, oh, the, yeah. that's the things I love about anybody, anywhere. And I'm like, oh God, this guy's great. And he goes, hey, nervous fella. <laughs> What's up with you? Where are you from? And I'm like, Alaska. And he's like, oh yeah, Alaska. What do you want to do while you're here? He's like, I want to go to Bodega. He's like, yeah, Bodega around the corner. You'll find it. And I was like, all right, all right. And he's like, Alaska, huh? He's like, you know the guys in Portugal, the men? And I'm like, <laughs> so at this time, physically, no. Obviously grew up, uh, they grew up in the Northern Valley, like me, but yeah. they were older than me. So I never really, really got close to them. Like I saw Anatomy of a Ghost at the State Fair when I was a kid, like old, you know, Gorley oh, and Carruthers. Real old school. Yeah. Obviously I followed them. I admire them, um, what they do, everything they do, the way they represent community in Alaska. At this point, we've, Interact on social media a number of times. Like they followed me from personal accounts. We follow each other. Never physically met. It just always managed to not happen. There's been times where they're like, do you want to meet? And I was like, no, it's not the right time. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm putting them on a pedestal, but I relate to them. I look up to them, whatever. Yeah. So Instagram mutual follow. Not physical, right? You know Portugal the man? I'm like, I'm in New York. I can bullshit a little bit. I was like, yeah, Hell I know yeah. him. Hell and he yeah. goes, all right. And he pulls up his phone and he takes a selfie video with me in the back. He goes, hey, guys, I got a nervous fella says he knows you. And oh, he just sends fuck. it to him. And I'm like, Oh, so good. Yeah. And I'm like, I love Oh that. my God. Oh my God. I'm like panicking because I like, I half bullshitted, right? Like yeah. I hadn't, I don't, I haven't, at this point in time, as of this podcast, <laughs> I have met a few of them, found out that like Gorley's mom and my mom worked together for a long oh, time. Wow. Many small Alaska connections. Wait, wonderful guys. Uh, but at this time, I hadn't met him personally. So I was like, Oh my God. And I get on Instagram and I'm like messaging. Eric, I'm messaging the band account. I'm just like, hey guys, Big Earl is probably sending you a message. And he's, he just, <laughs> please, I got to work all day with him at this venue. Just tell him you know me. I know that we've only interacted <laughs> online. Please just, 
please tell him you know me. I don't want to get heckled by this old New Yorker man. And it started with like this long, like all caps, like ha ha ha. Like they're like, we love Earl. Don't worry. We'll vouch for Alaskans. We'll tell him that you're our boy. And I was like, oh, I thank, you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And like, uh, what a good and, story. Uh, uh, Ethan Hoke was like, you just got to be salty right back at him. You got to give him that Alaska spirit. And that's, that's what happened is he tried to talk shit to us and we talked shit back and now we love each other. And like, yeah. uh, Big Earl tags me on his Instagram account later and it, he, half of his timeline is either fe- feeding baby deer in his backyard <laughs> or hanging out with Portugal the man and talking about how they're like his best friends. Like every time we're in New York, we hang out with Big Earl. We love this guy. And I do too. I love Big Earl. But yeah, so like this is the crescendo is like, Portugal guys, important as a community, they vouch for me. They're like, we'll vouch for an Alaska, no yeah. problem. And like, I go in the green room and I'm like tongue to ban about it. And then Big Earl comes in our green room and he goes, yeah, Portugal guys say they know you. And I was like, oh, good Earl. I didn't want you to think I was a poser. He's like, nah, you're still a friggin' poser. <laughs> and he <got> walked out. <laughs> and, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Earl. Um, fuck yeah, dude. At the uh, Peltola rally, I finally got to meet Gorley in real life and we talked all about how much we love Big Earl and that's the importance of the music community of Alaska and supporting one another and how small the world it is and how fun it is when you open yourself to personalities. Dude, well that is, that's the best way to end this podcast. (laughs) That's how I wanted to end it. I I wasn't scripted, but I wanted to work that into this theme. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, hey man, thank you for spending the time with us. Thank you again. Yeah, Yeah. Thank you. Thanks to anyone who listened to it. Yeah. (laughs) Missy. Thanks for tuning in. Kyle and Steven will be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, check out GoFixYourselfPodcast.com. And remember to always go fix yourself.